0: shelved by genre, show about types of literature in the worlds they imagine. This season, we're reading Gene Wolfe's The Book of the New Sun, and this episode is about chapters one through nine of The Citadel of the Autark. For a list of content warnings, please check the episode description. I'm Cameron, and resurrected from the dead with new names are Michael and Austin.
1: We swapped our names. It's the same names, <laughs> but we just swapped them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We thought it'd be better for you, because that way you could still like refer to us with the names you're familiar generally with
0: uh yeah that i mean that does make sense although uh, there's another option that gene is offering you which is um you know this soldier we'll talk about in a minute yeah. comes back as miles yeah mm-hmm. so you could come back as knuckles right and uh right. you know michael you could be sonic if that's you want true to be.
2: that's true and like it's weirdly the- enough the it the pattern holds because michael in
1: ancient greek is sonic and uh, all yeah. Austins around the world have have the ability to climb walls mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With, by punching, them. by punching into them. <laughs> punch, climb, punch, climb. They train as us a, at youth
0: as a uh, as a child. And you know what? I'll, let's be honest right now as a, as a grown adult, <laughs> Knuckles is cooler, right?
1: Than Sonic? Yeah. That was the entire purpose yeah. of inventing
0: it. I, but I just want to make sure we're all on yeah. the same page. Yeah, yeah, like is Shadow
1: group. cooler than Knuckles? No. Not Gun Shadow, but regular old Sonic oh, Adventure yeah, yeah. 2 Rocket Boots Shadow.
3: Yeah. Yeah. This is how it
0: goes. <sighs> yeah. I think, what, what about the robot Sonic? I really the kind like, of Jonas Sonic. Of, I do of really the, like that Sonic.
1: That's one of my favorites. So the first time I get hit that point in in Sonic CD, and there was the robot Sonic that was running. Actually, there's two Sonics, two robot Sonics. There's a Sonic, the robot Sonic at the end of Sonic Two, right? And then there's the mm-hmm. Sonic you race, the metal Sonic you race in Sonic CD, and they're both very cool. I like that Sonic in uh, Sonic Generations. Yeah. Yeah, that's I think that's I think that that's the that's the Sega CD Sonic uh, Metal Sonic. Yeah, I think so. Very yeah. like uh, there's like something hollow about its soul. <laughs> yeah, because uh, regular Sonic's, you know, chili dogs. Right. But uh, I even mean family. among robots, <laughs> of which there are many in the Sonic the Hedgehog game. I think oh, I'm thinking like it is being true. hollow soul because of the big hole in its chest. Well,
0: all the uh, other robots have, like, a delightful little animal in them. They do. You know, that, right. that powers them, presumably their soul or something. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. They're yeah. sapping the strength of these, like, little birds and rabbits and whatnot. Yeah. And Robot Sonic literally doesn't have literally one. He's got a hole where that's it. supposed to be, where the little bird's supposed to be. And yet he still runs. So I don't want
1: to d- – and yet he still runs. And y- and I don't want to do – I don't want to be as clear as I can. Be. Yeah. I do not want to do a song the Hedgehog, like podcast where we read yeah. all of the Song the Hedgehog comics and play all the games in publication order. You sure? I am certain, but I would like someone to, that I that I already know and love to do it. Are you sure you don't want to do it? I mean,
0: think I'm, about it. I'm Most very, of those games are
1: like forty five minutes long. The They're games not. aren't the problem. There's just so much of the Archie comics, right? Yeah. It's yeah, just so I read them much. all
0: when I was eleven. How much could it be? Yeah, you got me there. <laughs> <laughs> I've got so much more like upper body strength and stamina than I did then for holding those comics up. <laughs>
3: it's true. Can you
1: even get the old comics now? You got it. They must be out there. They're yeah, on the they're right. on the web. Yahoo! Anime rules. They're oh, out yeah, there. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you could buy them from Comicsology. Even like I bet that they're or is that Amazon now? I don't remember who. that is Amazon. Yeah.
0: Jesus. You got to do a, like a complicated uh, like calculus problem to buy a comic book these days. But um, it is true. Yeah. Hey, I got some corrections to make. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is not a show where we make very many mistakes, just to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, um, this is a show where basically we're spitting truth mm-hmm. tip to top, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or tip to tail, I guess. Tip to top is just the same thing. Um, but I've made a a uh, terrible error and worse you all co-signed it and, th- and again this is the first mistake or error or misspeaking that's occurred in the show so it's really important for us to get in front of it
1: sure i appreciate it. we are we're very mature about this right mm-hmm.
0: in the i believe in the last part of <laughs> i oh,
1: well wait a second <laughs> oh no good <laughs> Oh, do we do partisodes over here? Have yeah. Are doing partisodes we're, are, I, I'm not time? gonna, I'm not going to strangle
2: the partisode in its oh, cradle boy. as it's, it... Uh, you know, it's fine. I
0: guess... Well, I don't know. Though. I mean, we're doing parts
1: of books. It's we not a partisode. Doing, I guess we're doing parts okay.
0: of books. Yeah. Okay, All right. Yeah. But sometimes we won't. Weirdly enough,
1: some of <laughs> the shelf by genre will be episodes yeah. and some will be partisodes. <laughs> we're like three episodes away from an episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> three, sorry. We're three partisodes away from an episode. There you go someone's gonna let you know about that yeah
0: so good catch uh all right so the first and only error last part episode uh-huh. i said the
1: master and i meant inherent vice you meant inherent vice this is why we were both mm-hmm. this is why michael and i were so confused i haven't seen inherent vice i was like i guess there's a pancake scene <laughs> i don't right. remember it in the master <laughs> i <it> was just <laughs> up yeah,
2: I also haven't seen it. I have seen The Master, but like I said, I have a very dim memory of it. So it was like, yeah, sure, there could have been a pancake scene yeah. in that
0: movie. Mm-hmm.
1: A lot of things are going on in life around then.
0: I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, well, now that that's behind us. Yeah, we've made it through. We made it through. We, uh, as a show, as again, a our first and only error or misspeaking. Uh, and I'm mean, being, I think we can all agree, very adult about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I'm being very mature. We can talk about this. Peace, which is uh, the first nine chapters of, in, uh, you know, the glory of, in the true glory of God, you know, in the one true light, the final book of the book of the new Sun. unfortunately, uh, due to the existence of some sort of uh, intercessor or other dark being that is preventing the light of the Lord from touching us, it is actually not the final book, Earth of the new Sun is the final book but but this is the uh we're on the on the downswing toward the end read the first nine chapters i don't know what's the deal what do you think better than
1: sonic worse i really like these chapters actually i (laughs) despite the fervent anti-communism that we get introduced to (laughs) i like that guy i love that guy that That guy fucking that guy's kind of kind of funny you know yeah, uh, what is his actual name? We don't we don't I
2: have don't, it. If there is I was one. Say, yeah, they they haven't given him a name yet, but they are going to uh call him Sorry for these minor spoilers. He will be called uh, loyal to the group of 17.
1: I mean, that is yeah. what he says. He does say yeah, that yeah. to the true degree. I was like, are they going to start calling him loyal? Is that what they're going to start doing? Yeah. Cuz because that's the way he finally responds to that is to say I am loyal to the group of 17. Yeah, that's what I meant. Loyal to the group of 17 because in the
0: what names in the Book of the New Sun piece? Do you know what I'm talking about? Michael? Uh yeah, yeah, from Castle of Days. Yeah. He uh he explicitly, Wolf explicitly calls him that. Cool. Um so he he doesn't even ever because he says like it's not a real name, which is some real Gene Wolf. It's so
1: funny because like all of that stuff is so dismissive of you know, Severian is so dismissive of the idea that this person can see the world the right way, you know, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. but he's listening to all these stories. He's making sense of all these stories. He supposedly doesn't have language the way real people have language. He knows. <laughs> he has it going on. And that's not really what, what Severian, that's not really what they say, but you know what I mean.
0: This is uh, from Onomastics. Onomastics, the study of names. It's an essay in the Castle of the Otter. The names of human beings in the book of the new Sun are just human names. I can think of only one exception loyal to the group of 17, the Asian who appears in the Citadel of the Autarch. So uh, implicitly here, mm-hmm. not a human name. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty interesting, but, but yeah, he, he's kicking around. Um, and uh, I don't know. Is there any banter you want to have up top? Or you just want me to read my little summary?
1: And uh, we'll go, I, I, you know, I think high level, the thing this is bantery, but this is this is high level. Um, I feel like we've hit a, another genre switch or really what I think is the prose in this section is so straightforward and mm-hmm. light compared to where we just were.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um uh and 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 that makes sense right because the genre we've kind of slipped into is like the recovering soldier in the hospital right mm-hmm. like I've yeah. pulled my buddy out from the from the trenches and made our way back to the infirmary or whatever you know we've made our way back from behind enemy lines and and now we're all in in you know recovery basically, and everyone's kicking around and telling stories. And I had a weird encounter with a nurse, and you know, like there is almost something um, not memoirish, but like it's in that space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that space is much less complicated than some of the fantasy uh, and and theological spaces that we had just been in. Um, to mm-hmm. the degree that there are ca- there's a, there are twice two characters in this reading. Shut down Severian trying to get into the other mode and dismiss it, right? Um, and and keep the the uh the kind of prose in this other space by the nature of not playing along, the way like Sekla would have played along or Dr. Talos would have played along. Uh, this part of the world is not engaging, and I know <clears throat> we're gonna get back to that stuff, but in these first nine chapters, we don't really have that. And instead, we have another guy who talks like Jonas, and then two characters who talk with a different um uh you know a different voice that does not come from the core of of the altarchy, the core of the Commonwealth um uh instead it comes from this these other outside places and and they feel like rural voices they feel like
3: mm-hmm, um
1: mm-hmm. Uh, people who are who are talking straight or who are telling stories with a with a storytelling cadence that is grounded in other sorts of um uh you know real earthly, uh, storytelling lineages, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that's my that's my high level. Yeah, and
0: they really talk in. This is the most. Uh, this is the mode that that Wolf dives into over and over again, as we've talked about. But the way they tell stories and the way that they are presented is very anthropological, right? right? Like, sure. Mm-hmm. There, there is a you know kind of uh, it's the South for them, right? Mm-hmm. But the kind of arch- archipelago, um um. Maybe, maybe indigenous, maybe kind of Norse, right? Yeah. There's this kind they of like double play right. going there, yeah. northern European kind of thing, um, and then the other story is very much a kind of um, Mediterranean style moral fable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, 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 you know, that get translated into like medieval English
1: uh, moral fables and Christian Christian stories and fables. Yeah. So there's also um, there's also simply yeah. those two stories exist in the text in the narrative, the core narrative mm-hmm. of Severian is in a hospital talking to people. They have their own chapters, but they don't they're not broken out the way the scholar and the student were or mm-hmm. similar stories, right? Um they're they're in a chapter, but it, it every paragraph is in quotes because it's a character talking to you. Um and uh, and in an occasion in the middle of a story Severian's reaction will be described. So you know the mm-hmm. the um uh, they are not um, fully like hermetically sealed from the rest of the story the way uh, some of our previous side stories were. you know, you got to the the um, the story of the whatever the the one of the I don't know nature gods ones, whatever that's called. Mm-hmm. and that just presented as is no quotation marks. Severian is not like shrugging in the middle of it. But these he is doing that, you know, I think that's an important distinction with the way these stories are being presented. But anyway,
0: yeah, yeah, there's I mean, uh, also they're oral stories. Right. I, I mean, right. this is what you're saying, but they're oral stories specifically and most of the other ones that we've read across this whole thing are from his little book he's been carrying around. Right. Sure. Like, right. So these are yep. like people's stories yep. and they are not the you know,
1: these kind of sage-like stories of the wisdom of the previous era. Totally. But There's even like, but even eschatology and, and Genesis, right, is like presented as a play, fully yeah. intact until it falls apart. Whereas like if someone had gotten up and stabbed someone in the middle of these stories, which were not done in the stories, I don't know that could happen, um the the action wouldn't there wouldn't be a chapter break. It would just be in the mm-hmm. middle of the chapter as these are written, yeah. you know?
2: Yep. Thoughts about that, Michael? Uh, I'll have more to say on this uh, once we get a couple more stories under our belts. Uh, mm.
1: Stroking my my because yeah. there are a couple. My chin, mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, there's one that's wild. I cut these in the middle on purpose. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it it makes our next reading a little bit longer, uh, but uh, I think I think it's worth wor- worth the time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Well, let me just read the summary, and then uh, we can we can kind of get get in it. This is a summary of what happens in these chapters. It is not exhaustive. It is just something to get us going in case you're not reading along with us. Uh, Here begins the summary for episode 11. Severian sees energy weapons being used in war from far away. He wanders the countryside looking for the war. He eventually comes across some soldiers and gets scared. Then he sees a dead guy. He eats the dead guy's rations and reads in his diary that the Vodalari are killing soldiers as much as the Asians are. Severian uses the claw of the dead guy. He does a totally normal thing and puts the claw in the dead guy's mouth. The dead guy comes back to life. Severian thinks about his life and decides Dorcas is one of the many women who betray. Thecla comes into the story to narrate for a moment. Severian takes the once dead man and wanders around finding camps of soldiers, but none of them will take the wounded man. They are directed to a lazaret. They wander around the landscape and Severian wonders about time travel and if time might be made to move backward if the sun were to dance. They reach the lazarette, but Severian has a fever and has a long dream. Severian wakes up and meets an Asian who is completely reasonable and not at all a goofball political <laughs> allegory character. <laughs> and also he meets three warriors named Foila, Melito, and Halvard. They've got hijinks. They all discuss Asian language and culture. Severian names the soldier he came to the Lazaret with as Miles. Miles and Severian have a long talk and eventually Miles leaves or wanders away. Foyla explains that she will marry the best storyteller from Halvard and Molito. A storyteller competi- or storytelling competition begins. Halvard tells a story from his homeland. It is about inheritance and his brothers, not his brothers, his uncles. Severian meets a pelerine who tells him about good and evil. She also just straight up doesn't believe the claw is the claw and asserts that if it had ever been able to do the magical things that Severian had done with it, then the pelerines would have been using it for a very long time. She refuses to take the claw. Melito tells a story about an odd farmer and his powerful rooster who gets into a legal battle with an angel. And that's all we read for today. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Good one. Yep. Good one, Melito. <laughs>
1: it's a good story. That's the shittiest story I know. <laughs> what a fucking <laughs> yes. maneuver. All-timer maneuver. Like an inverse thousand and one nights. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I all this bunch. could be yours.
2: Yeah, actually what I can say about the storytelling exchanges that we've had so far is I love how each of them like we get the stories, but then each one has a tag where it gets folded Mm -hmm. into the debate between them over who's going to marry Foyla because uh, with Halvard's story, uh, uh, Melito is like, oh, so Halvard has told this whole story about inheritance in his family, letting you know that he has uh, something to come into later on. Mm-hmm. I see what's going on here. And then when Melito tells his story, he's like, well, this is just the worst story I know. So that way if she's impressed by it, then I I, I it's only up from here
0: for me.
1: <laughs> oh, you like that story, huh? You like that story? Yeah, I got I got a bunch more. Let me tell you. <laughs> well, it's well, also Belief. Like,
0: like Gene using such a, a a great set of descriptions to really sell a thing because his voice cracks right when he says that yeah like Melito says it's the worst one i know and his voice like goes wavy or something yeah, like that voice mm-hmm. seemed weaker than it had right and so you know the kind of maneuver there is like it's almost a position from weakness right like look this is this is what i've got is the worst story i know and if you're like into that, are you into like he, he's he's wearing the <laughs> biggest whitest T in like 2010, like sad boy in yeah. bedroom? Uh-huh. You know, and like ah, I know lots of good stories, but <laughs> this is the one I want to tell. You know, he's got that buzz cut haircut, yeah, mm-hmm. classic. Melito. Punching holes in
1: drywall, mm-hmm. people going wild for it. You know, I would, I would, you know, love her like I do. You know, I would die to possess her, but. I'd sooner die than disappoint her.
3: <laughs> right. Spitting.
0: Melito memes. Melito. Sa- sa- sad young sad. white men posting yes. Melito memes. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Divorced dads posting Melito memes.
1: <laughs> I, Halvard has more of the divorced dad vibe to me. Maybe that's because his story was about like the separation of family and betrayal and yeah. stuff. You know, Not that that's what divorce needs to be about, but you know, his uncle's mm-hmm. fucked up. So both uncles, both yeah. uncles fucked up. I am a-
0: oath breaker.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Very good. We'll get there in a minute. Uh, we, we open this thing. There's some, as you said, Austin genre changes here, right? You know that this is very much, I think a war story. And at the very beginning of the text tells us that, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, Hey, you think you might know about war? You, you punk, but you don't know shit about it. You know, uh, this is the very opening of the Citadel of the Autarch. I had never seen war or even talked of it at length with someone who had, but I was young and knew something of violence and so believed that war would be no more than a new experience for me. As other things, the possession of authority in Thrax say, or my escape from the House Absolute had been new experiences. War is not a new experience. It is a new world. Mm hmm. And he goes on from there. Right. But mm-hmm. so, so, yeah, I think you're right that there is a um, there's a genre shift. I also want to push a little bit on, you know, the, this button or this lever that I've I've leveraged a couple times in the past few episodes um, that like Fecla is more present. Oh, yeah. And and never more present than here. Uh, yes. Like really explicitly. And in this reading for the first time, I thought, well, is Severian has changed since leaving the house absolute you know in in terms of like where the most transformation has happened it's like Severian leaves the house absolute uh goes to thrax has a kind of crisis of conscience that He's attributing to Dorcas, really, right? Mm-hmm. That, you know, you can take off your cloak. You can be anything. You don't have to be a torture. And that's the what we kind of process it through. But in this reading, I really thought, well, is, is, is Thecla just more present? Because Thecla's memories are more present. You know, is the transformation of Severian not Severian- as this kind of unit, you know, undergoing kind of character development or maturity or whatever, is it just that Thecla is more there and there are two people kind of driving the boat? Um, because, like, she repeatedly in this section that we read, mm-hmm. she's just doing the narration. And sometimes yeah. that's in brackets or sometimes
1: that's in parentheses. And sometimes it isn't. Yeah. Sometimes you just break. Again, we get, we get one of those little, uh, your version of this doesn't have it, but I get the three stars. I get the, um, an analyst, I forgot. I just had the name the other day. I don't have it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, just her. It's just she's in the text. There she is. She, she takes over the narration in an outright way that uh, I rushed to write that note down to just be like, "This is Thecla. Thecla <laughs> Thecla's talking now." Well, at one point, Severian says, well, I never had a child. I mean, Thecla never I mean, had a like child. Out know. loud to a person. <laughs> yes, yes. In a
0: conversation, right? Uh-huh. And so I wonder about well, that. And and then I someone never really sees
1: her or hears her in the yeah. – and to the degree that I was like, fuck it, man. The claw can do a lot of things, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Towards the very end of, of of this reading, a new guy gets brought into the lazarette. Uh, and uh, you know, he before that happens, uh, Severian looks down at the claw. It had been lifelessly black when the Pellereen saw, but now muted sparks of white fire ran from its base to its point. And then, like by the the end of that paragraph, Severian is staggering around, and a new guy is being brought in to the to the place and going Thecla, Thecla, and and Severian Thecla is saying, "Yes, Thecla, you remember me, Emelian. Now be well. I touched him with the claw." Did a million see Thecla the way that you know we 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 saw the the girl in the uh the prison in the uh, in the citadel um beyond the citadel in the um uh what is the altark's castle called the palace the the house absolute, is the house, absolute? House, absolute? house absolute Jesus it's early yeah uh, the, <laughs> the house absolute uh saw saw Thecla's body in the shadow right and we talked a lot about like oh some things are easier to see. In the dark, Um, and maybe that's what all that's happening here is that Severian's silhouette carries a Thecla, and maybe maybe Severian's body takes Thecla's position. But you know, we know (laughs) we have talked about how tall Thecla is (laughs) many times. Um, Is is there some sort of claw driven body swap happening? Uh, Is it just that she comes to inhabit his body in such a way that she she really carries herself Mm -hmm. as Thecla? Um, well, Severian has that dream too.
0: And in yeah. the dream, the Cumaean, oh. I mean, we'll talk mm-hmm. about it in more detail, but the Cumaean explicitly is like, oh,
1: hey, you're Thecla. Well, and mm-hmm. like separates them, basically. It's like a Thecla, I want the Thecla part of you. Uh, that's who I'm here for. You know? Yeah. It's great.
0: Uh, this, but also, you're mic. right,
1: Cameron. I think that you're right. Like, sorry, we, we, the thing, when you were talking, the thing I was thinking was like, well, metaphorically, yes. Even like, even if the, the literal question of is it Thekla, I think Gene wants us to think this guy did something really bad and has been obsessing about a person mm-hmm. um, uh, his whole life and has come to know who under, – understand who it was he betrayed as a child uh, more and more as he's grown older um, and moved through the spaces that she's moved through. Uh, and, like, yes, literally the fantasy thing of having eaten the uh, the Alzabo meat has happened. And so he's literally brought mm-hmm. Declan in. I'm not saying that none of that's happening. But I am saying that I think that, like, part of the core metaphor here is that, like, you can bring your past into you. And your past can shape you and turn you into a different person. Mm-hmm. And you can bring in other people's perspectives. And you can yeah. you can incorporate positions that are not your own into yourself. And that's happening with mm-hmm. Declan. And Dorcas is like an echo of that in a way. Yeah. Right? Um, uh, but – also in the fantasy book literal sense. Yeah, dude, I think you're right.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, like I like the words themselves transform. And and again, you know, like I you know, I I have I have now gone through the production history on this a couple times, you know, not extensively on the show, but um I I really think the production history of these books I think there would be more of it in shadow if he'd come to all of this earlier. I think mm-hmm. he I think that these books are so stylistically different and so purposeful in the shifting way that they are written. Um that I I I don't know. I think there's just something fascinating that the language of this book is so different and that we can really attribute some of that, I think, very directly rhetorically, you know, like the words on the page are thecla words. Um and I really do wonder like, you know, if if Gene Wolfe had a Infinite timeline, infinite wolves. You know, is the Shadow of the Torturer a different book, or, or is you know, if he had incorporated some of this earlier, or should we be comparing the way that this book is written to the Shadow of the Torturer in under in order to understand the kind of language difference, the mode of argument difference, the way of thinking difference between Thecla, who's more present here, and you know, OG Severian who is more present there because those are solely his memories, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot going on with that 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 I have not paid a huge amount of attention to in previous times I've read these books, um, but especially doing the show and reading it kind of closely in that way and and kind of consistently looking at, well, what are the the kind of fandom interpretations going on here? I just have not seen, especially in the big interpreters, right? The people who do it. Michael, correct me if I'm wrong, but no one really hammers on that. Uh, for some reason, as far as I can tell.
2: Yeah. Uh, to my mind, no, I'm not bringing anything. Uh, the, the sort of nitty gritty way that we're thinking about this, uh, is not something that tends to come up where, uh, uh, the, the drift from the first book to the, the, this fourth book, I almost said the last book, but I guess it's not, Uh um, And I do think like I have my own theory about how all of this shakes out, but that's going to be reliant on us having completed it. So I'll I'll hold off on that because I do think uh, I think some of the let's say the scaffolding for uh, the Thekla Severian merger. Maybe was always in Wolf's mind, but as I've said, I think in the Discord, I think I think he had that idea. I don't think he quite knew what the consequences of it were going to be,
1: right? Ain't that mm-hmm. the fucking way as a writer, though? Right? Exactly. Where you're like, where oh, you're yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I, I have these two characters, I think one of them's going to betray the other one, and then and then later is going to eat eat the memories. They're going to combine in some way. They're going to uh, make them one. Ca-. But you don't think through what that how that uh, plays out until later, and I could imagine that being. Also, part of it, Cameron, is that like, yeah, like mm-hmm. that first book he writes, and he's thinking, okay, it'd be cool if these two like, you know, we talk about this a lot. That like, Severian says outright, he be backed into the throne in that first, yeah, and mm-hmm. and right away he could be saying to you know, Gene could be saying to himself, uh, and there's going to be a little bit of the Thecla, like Thecla is going to be part of that whole process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what that what that means, you don't know until you're you're you know, either you 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 know, build the schematic and then follow it. Beat by beat, which is hard to do, mm-hmm. uh, or you you write until you find it, and sometimes what you find is is not the exact does not meet the diagram that you drew up. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, he definitely had it in mind because of, uh, of the you know the line in the first book where Thekla says, uh, you know, I was prophesied to be the yes, author. That's whatever, the line, right? you know. Right, and yeah. you're like, oh, okay, yeah, of course he knew that, yeah. and yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not saying any of this in, in the previous episodes, too. And I know y'all know this, but to be clear to the audience, it's not to be like, oh, Gene Wolfe's well, not the master that we thought he was. Mm-hmm. It's not that. It, it is to hold on really He's the inherent really vice that we thought he was. <laughs> right. Uh, it's It's not the... Uh, I, I just... I want to be the voice of... Gene Wolfe is a human being right. who did not write a clockwork wonder who wrote these books in time who, right. who built and, them and piece they are by piece amazing yes. in their construction and some of the things really are truly like wow I can't believe it but but you know I was I was going back and revisiting some of the bigger name you know um theorists uh recently to kind of prep for the end of the book and and doing a little bit of work on that ahead of time and you know you run into people you know, I read a thing from uh, Mark Aramini, who's who's kind of a big interpreter of this. And, you know, Aramini just straight up says, I think that most of Gene Wolfe's books are puzzles mm-hmm. uh, to be solved. They need to be solved. Uh, and we haven't solved some of them yet. And that's on us, you know, is the kind of vibe. It's it's not, you know,
1: they're they are, the they're all... The face I just made, I wish you could see it. I wish you could have seen it. Yeah, of course. The, I actually did the Drew Scanlon blinking light guy face is actually what I did. <laughs> <laughs> what?
0: This is your Thecla.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, Drew Scanlon's in there, uh-huh. the, the blinking white guy. Uh-huh. Hey, and that's not to be like, oh, that, you know, that, that opinion sucks, although I don't agree with it, right? It's, I'm not saying all this to say that, but I am saying it to be like, hey, if you think about these books as being written in phenomenal time by a human being who is constantly revising and working towards something right. and making decisions, right, about how to do a thing, and sometimes that's the wrong call. Sometimes you make a bad decision You gotta that you published in book two that you just got to like – own up to and try to make work as you're saying Michael you know for the end of this book there's a lot of things that have to get threaded together mm-hmm. you know to to be, to make it all work in the end and some of that feels bad some of it's just not gonna feel sufficient to the thing we're reading you know it's gonna be like what are you are you kidding me that's the solution here <laughs> and some of it's gonna be like oh my god like i can't believe he did it um and those are those are uh, you know stacked together in the book and just holding out for that mode of reading right for mm-hmm. people who are listening to the show who are engaging in, in wolf or want to go listen to other shows after this or whatever that I, I think it's worth holding on to you know in your head that, that like a human being did this, and it might not be a puzzle it might be an artwork um mm-hmm. it might be a thing that invites uh not answers but interpretations mm-hmm. um and translations and conceptions rather than um lock and key puzzles um to 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 end this up and to say a thing i, I and this is maybe a michael question too we've never met Emilian before, right.
2: Uh, as the, like, the guy who gets pulled into the lazarette, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, who yeah. Who recognizes I, Thecla. That's Thecla's memory, right? That's, right? that's, that's yeah, fully yeah, that's Thecla's Thecla. memory. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of, yeah, I, I, one thing I wanted to add about this whole thing, about the Severian Thecla thing, that, um, and it's clear that in this moment with, with, uh, you know, this guy showing up, that Thecla recognizes and, Severian's narration just straight up like talks about him as if he's someone we already know. It's clear that Wolf is playing with this more actively. Than he has been in the past, not just, you know, the the Thecla brackets and everything, uh, but something that didn't come up in your summary is that Severian is specifically chosen as the judge of the storytelling contest mm-hmm. uh, yeah, because sure. he he doesn't have a horse in the race. He doesn't want to marry Foila. Um, But the other reason that they give is they say specifically, you talk like an educated man. Um <laughs> Right, and I think that this is very interesting because it's not that, right, Severian (laughs) is not uneducated, but Severian had a very specific trade education, right? But we also know Thecla has the education of a young gentlewoman, right? She's been schooled in like discourse and how to talk to people. And there's a, a, to me at least, right, there's an implication there that Severian's bearing and his way of just talking to people, you know, baseline has shifted to become a bit more courtly, a bit more Thecla like
1: well, and you know, uh, S- Severian and the torturers are explicitly not judges; they are mm-hmm. not given that authority, and they don't train themselves to be judges. They train themselves to do what judges tell them to do. Um, but Thecla and and the young gentleman of the court, who has to engage with the gallants, like part of the part of that entire posture is one of judgment, right? And mm-hmm. and the initial draw from Severian to Thecla was in part her judgment and and the way that she could weigh in on issues of theology and philosophy in the world. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that incorporation makes, makes a lot of sense to me, you know?
0: Yeah. What if your entire worldview was around obedience and you could incorporate someone to be obedient to into your very being? Damn. Mm-hmm.
1: Things would be easier, <laughs> frankly.
0: <laughs> it would be, it would be if you just had like a, like, you know, like a little, uh, like angel on your shoulder, Yeah, a little angel mm-hmm. on your
1: shoulder, a little prison guard in your head, yep. you know? You're good to go. Mm-hmm. Now, I say a little prison guard in your head. In this case, it was literally the opposite. A prison guard put a little <laughs> prisoner in their head to make them a different person.
0: Yeah, but you want the prison guard in your head.
1: Uh, you know, I sometimes it feels like there already is one. I've done my best to get this motherfucker out of here, but just won't die. Severian's uh, wandering
0: around in the wilderness, finds this dead soldier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We all knew what was going to happen, right? I'm. I mean, yes, because I've so the
1: claw. Quarter. Yes, but yeah, I'm just saying. You know, Severian's that.
0: never seen a dead guy. You're not going to poke in the head with the claw
1: and put <laughs> his the mouth. The mouth thing that happens again, right? Because Severian also puts the claw in his own mouth later. This is new. This is, this is the communion way for what's going on here. Why are you putting he didn't the claw put it in, in, the in?
0: Jonas's mouth. Did when he? Jonas was having a bad time, he didn't put the claw in there. Maybe.
2: No, I don't think he did. I think he just like touches him with it. Yeah. I'm just writing fanfic.
1: Yeah, is what yeah. Tiberian <laughs> yeah. <a> <laughs> Book of the New Sun softly. mouth version.
3: Uh
1: huh. Eighty percent more mouth stuff. That. I don't know. I don't know what it is with that. Like I said, like to me, it recalled the the communion wafer, right? And yeah. This is this is my flash. I mean, maybe he it. always wanted to, and he just couldn't fit it in anyone's C- mouth because it was a big gem. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Uh, Doesn't he He like pricks his forehead or something?
1: Because that's one of the signs. He draws blood.
0: Yeah. 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 Gives them a little stigmata. There's a lot of uh, stigmata of the forehead in Mm -hmm. this section. We get that. And then in his dream, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Right. He's experiencing uh, miraculous stigmata. I guess by definition, stigmata are miraculous.
1: But
3: um,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. they really emphasize, too, in all this wandering around how much it sucks to not have a cool sword anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That you could use as a staff or that you could use as a sword, you know. He picks up this guy's weapon. This guy's was like a falchion or something. Yeah, and she's like, that's "Yeah, we're back
0: in Dark Souls. We're back in Dark Souls." <laughs> and Sumerian,
1: you're not that. You didn't raise Dex. Come on, you're not a <laughs> you're not a Dex build. Get rid of that falchion. No, he is. He did all that. He had to. He had to do all that dodge rolling. Yeah, I think that. I he's think that a, that's, he's a
0: stamina build. That's right. what I'm
1: saying. I think he's a stamina yeah. build with enough strength to hold the the terminusast. Which is not even like a super heavy weapon. I think it's like a moderate. You know what I mean. You got to get up there, but not all the way up there. I don't know. Dorcas had a hard time with it. Yeah, well, Dorcas It, it, is it was full of that
0: hard juice, you know? you know, that heavy juice in there. So <laughs> yeah, um, hard to know. But yeah, he uh, maybe the thing to talk about here is I. I wonder what you think about the. Well, we get some cool stuff about the war, right? That like tree, these massive like rainforesty trees that we've heard about before mm-hmm. are uh, just smashed in twain yeah. by some massive beast or or weapon of war. That's cool. Um, but then you know, so guy's dead. Severian's uh, starving. He uh, eats all his food out of his pack, or most of his food out of his pack, and then he reads this letter that's about like. The Vodolari killing all these people. I, d- does any of this stuff change the way you think about the way the war is happening? You get any more information about this?
1: Not especially. This all felt very of a piece with the genre s- switch. You know, we we're getting the like civil war, my dearest mm-hmm. Thelma Wise or whatever, right? Um, Thelma Wise. Yeah, you know Thelma Wise. That's the barfuge. Uh, oh, my dearest Amelia. Yeah, it's that. My dear The Vodalarai are attacking That is what flights. it is. Yeah. <laughs> Makar, whom I told you has fallen sick and was permitted to remain behind. Right? Ken like,
2: Burns, War Against the Asians.
1: <laughs> huh? <laughs> um, but then there, then there's this little poem at the end of it. Yeah, I, you know, I, not especially, none of this moves anything. Yeah, the Vodalari are here and kicking our asses. Great.
2: Right. Turns out the rebel group is not helping us fight the war. <laughs>
0: Turns out (laughs) well, but it does kind of like what I what I guess is interesting about this, and especially reading it the first time, what I felt about it is like you can get a sense that the Vodolari are like a like a domestic freedom fighter group. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That they're like hanging out back in the cathedral, robbing the the cemeteries,
1: and you know doing internal stuff. Right, being Robin Hood, being the Scarlet right, Pimpernel, right. right? Being in the
0: domestic sphere, and then you find out they're on the front line attacking, attacking the Autark's troops
1: constantly. It's like if Robin Hood showed up at the Crusades. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> it started like stiping Richard the Lionheart right from the flame. Yes, Got that's exactly ass. how it is. Yeah, they never would. Oh, you were looking at Saladin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh huh. You should have been looking
1: behind you. Yep, yep. Exactly, exactly. This. I dare um, you
0: to come back to Sherwood.
1: My favorite bit is Severian being like, you know, I bet the I bet the Votolari would love me if they found me. They'd definitely help me if I could just find one of them. <laughs> really? He's one of the Votolari. I guess. Is he? Uh, never met someone he wouldn't serve after three minutes of talking to them. <laughs> just talk about the Pelagic Argosy. Hey, now,
0: he will never serve uh, sorcerers in the woods. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know? If he, if he right. doesn't
1: recognize you as a good old-fashioned human, uh uh Right, right. No way. hmm And who's the judge of if they're if they're human or not? Just him. Severian. It's just
0: him. It's just it's Severian. It's just him.
1: Okay.
0: You know, about this time of the book, I was thinking about that giant baby. Mm-hmm. Not for any particular reason. I was just thinking, I wonder what happened to that giant baby. And and then I remember that Severian told us in the book, I don't know what happened to oh, that yeah, giant baby. He said, baby. Yeah. I don't know. It's a mystery. One of life's many. It was a real a real moment for me reading this being like. I, oh, yeah, I do like the like, oh. number of
2: times throughout this series where Severian does stop to be like, here's a weird thing that I saw that you probably noticed. I don't know what happened with that. It's like it's the nope. giant baby, it's music in the house absolute.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, it's 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 uh Gene saying explicitly, Don't write me letters about this. <laughs> yes.
1: Don't I don't know. Do guys. Not ask I don't me. I don't know. Just yeah, there's some it was a weird thing I was putting in the book. Doesn't have to be a thing. Just let it, <laughs> let it rock.
0: You do you think it's an editor's note? He like got the draft back and the editor was like, "What about music?" and Gene was like, "Don't ask me about it. I don't know. I do not know. <laughs> I do not nor do I care." And like there's an alternate timeline where he didn't put in those words
2: and so there's like an entire subset of the Wolf fandom that's like <laughs> the music truthers. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> hey Thor is music. Hey, you know I did think about this. Uh you know, uh-huh. real speculative brain going on here yeah, about yeah, music. Yeah. Now that you bring it up. What if music? Do we meet music before the Ulan in the road? Like, I, do, I like, think so.
1: Do we I don't know, think so. I think
0: like he he just like shows up with Ethor. Yeah, but after the Ulan in the road, right? Is your are you going to yeah. say it's the same guy? I don't know. It could be. They don't remember their their lives and memories. Yeah. But what? And they just take whatever Are you name you give Heathor them. you saying is
2: music. What? No, 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 no. No, I'm no,
0: saying, no. Uh, like, Heathor's behind Severian. Okay. The Ulan in the road gets killed. He gets brought back to life via the claw. Yeah. Okay. They le- abandon him. Yeah. Heathor shows up, says, hey, your name's Buzik now. Take all your clothes off. Get weird with me, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, look like I look. <laughs> then they start hanging out together. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, fully, it, it's fully rational I mean- if Buzik shows up after that point. I can't remember.
2: Yeah, Uh, I think it does. Yeah, because, yeah, that's when Severian sees him. We we have, like, the Abbott and Costello routine, or, like, the Marx Brothers routine of, like, Severian, like, popping his head into the drop ceiling and seeing music and being like, shh, and then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That happens after
1: the Ulan, because the Ulan is before
0: they get captured, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, he also sees them on the road at some point, too. Uh, I just can't remember if that's
1: sure, before. Sure, sure. Anyway, oh, oh, oh. it's
0: just a thing while reading this and like kind of getting the blow-by-blow blow with Miles here and being like, ah, so if this is how it works for just a random dead person. Maybe. Who could know? But mm-hmm. and, and Severian does say, your friends will be here soon. And if is behind them, then maybe the next person that, that Ulan saw is Haythor. Hmm. I don't oh. know. It doesn't really matter, but uh, interesting thing to think about. Um, you want to talk about this place on two twelve for me, where uh, Thekla shows like like we get the the parenthetical here, um, where Thekla shows up to just straight up narrate for a little while. Uh, can we talk a little bit about how that how we get there? Because yeah, the boy. page oh, before
2: yes, we have Severian's yeah. like bizarre savior fantasy, speaking of Heathor, yeah. he's like, if I could, if I were Heathor, I would call up all the evil shit from beyond the stars to attack her and make her feel bad for what she did. But then I would show her mercy. I would step in and I would stop the monsters because I love her so much.
1: Real eight year old mm-hmm. bullshit <laughs> It's like a child's thinking, which is like. It's so fun that Thecla then takes over because it's almost as <laughs> like, all right, Samarian, shut the fuck up. Uh, give me the pen. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta be the one who's writing right now because you were just, you were being a little immature boy. You were having the stupidest fantasies of <laughs> uh, torture, betrayal, and love. Uh, a, a, a a understanding of that stuff that only uh, a teenage boy could have. You know, right. Well, and, and the thing that happens here too
3: is
0: uh, exactly Michael, as you just said, right. And the the maneuver that happens to me is one of the places where it kind of demonstrates the limits of Gene Wolfe's kind of thinking here. Mm-hmm. Because Thekla dismisses some of that, but also holds on to some of like the gender thoughts, you know, in big mm-hmm. in big quotation marks here. Um she does not fully dispel all of the things that Severian is no. saying. Right, um, And so that to me, that, that's a clear place where like kind of authorial um, uh, intervention is happening, where the horizon line of what Gene Wolfe might want to say about this is unfortunately maybe a little bit closer than what I might want. But yeah, Severian on 212 says uh, at the end of what you're referring to, Michael, Dorcas belonged, as I now realize, to that vast group of women, which may indeed include all women, who betray us and to that special type who betray us not for some present rival but for their own pasts. Just as Morwenna, who I executed at Saltus, must have poisoned her husband, her child, because she recalled a time in which she was free and perhaps virginal. So Dorcas had left me because I had not existed, had, as she must unconsciously have seen it, failed to exist at that time before her doom fell upon her. Right? So, like, explicitly being like, hey, women's freedom is leveraged against men. mm mm-hmm. um, You know, that women resent having to be attached. And maybe that's true, right? But that's a real... Um, <laughs> particular uh uh client relationship that severian <laughs> is is putting on um uh you know on on partnership in, in any kind of way uh also editorializing here to, to assert pretty clearly that that he thinks more when uh you yeah know, <laughs> killed her her son and and uh husband and then that's where thecla comes in right for me also this is that golden time <laughs> <laughs> i'm here i'm also here um and i'm not going to read the whole thing but she kind of re she interprets the scenario under which she met Severian, you know, basically the first uh, chunk of the first book. Um,
2: and it's the the encapsulation or the condensation because she she th- thinks of him, you know, her last lover before the doom. And so for him, because mm. uh, Severian is thinking about women who betray us for their own pasts, <sighs> and she is basically saying yeah, I kind of like made my move on Severian because I could uh, imagine in him all my past loves. And in some way, uh, he managed to be the apex of them in in whatever bizarre like relationship that they had. Right. Precisely because she sort mm-hmm. of knew that she was on her way out. She uh-huh. she made it count
0: with him, she feels like. Yeah. Was something watching us? He has eaten of me now, awakened by the memory. I lift my hand and run fingers through his hair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Damn, Gene. Uh Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's good. It is good. Um, The soldier uh,
1: gets going. Wakes up. Eyelids open up, flutter. He's, he's, where am I? What's going on? Mm
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Your name is... At Miles Tails Prower now. <laughs> and you can spin your butt around real good. <laughs> Bring me back to life. Um, They wander around for a long time.
1: Yeah, we get each of other a little bit. Get two yeah. versions of the story of what's happening while they're wandering around because we read Severian's whole situation, right? They're wandering around. Severian is taking care of this guy. They're looking for a place to to drop him off, you know, hey, I really need to get this guy to a hospital Running you know, near the front, you know, get sees the big camp of of Altarks, are the Altars soldiers. And then later when both of them are in the lazaret First of all, for even even before that, on the way there, one of the last people that they that we see is like, yeah, you both got to get to the hospital, and then finally they get to the hospital, and uh, everyone is like, yeah, he's bad, but you might be worse, like you're sick, <laughs> sick. And then when he talks to him in the hospital, uh, when he talks to Miles in the hospital, uh, he's like, all right, well, you know, we talked all about this stuff, right? And Miles is like, no, dude, like you <laughs> didn't, we did not have conversations. You know, maybe you were talking to yourself <laughs> a little bit. but Well, it does open. It's on like
0: 216 is like one of the opening bids for those conversations. Uh-huh. He goes, this is Severian. Perhaps I never told you this, but I have the facility of recalling everything. I can't always lay hands on it when I want, but it's always there. Some memories, you know, are like escaped clients wandering through the Oubliette. One may not be able to produce them on demand, but they are always there. They cannot get away. And he just keeps going. Uh-huh. Right? He's just monologuing to this like... yeah you know mind wiped uh pseudo zombie man for a little while who's like trying to recover humanity and knowing what we know remember all the way back to um i was going to say the garden of earthly delights that's not the right thing (laughs) the 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 gardens uh the botanical gardens Mm -hmm. he could just be mumbling to himself yeah 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 you know talking to thecla um And uh, so, yeah, so we get a lot of that. And this is also an opportunity as you, as you're saying, right, this is kind of punctuated at several points of them, like going to enemy camp or not enemy camps, but military camps. And then being like, Hey, you're not really wounded. You're just sick. So go to the hospital. But in a few times here, he's like, I'm, I'm going to conquer time and space. I think. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is this building anything for you? It's, it's hard to be poisoned by knowledge here uh, because, these things obviously
1: it's the book of the new Sun something's happening with the new Sun I think that's very <laughs> well clear. okay the thing you have to understand is the thing that's actually building for me during this segment is oh shit is that Jonas oh shit is Jonas back oh shit is this he just said you know uh, uh the the way that the Jaguar said to the frog or whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> is this Jonas and then like oh this isn't Jonas this is just Samarian being a weirdo and then mm-hmm. is this Jonas? <laughs> I mean, right. there's some Jonas truthers out
0: there. And what I really love about this is it's pretty indeterminate. It is. yeah. Uh, you got to make a judgment call if you think this is Jonas or not. Yeah. I'm in the I'm Jonas negative. I don't think this is Jonas. Even a little. I think it's just a guy who said a one thing. Essentially, he says two made, things. He says it twice. Okay, I'm so yeah. sorry.
1: Two things. And he put the, the claw in his mouth. Yeah, I know that. So <laughs> maybe a lot of us are two people well i mean yes i know that's what he says he's
0: like well i got two people why wouldn't he
1: says it like that yeah yeah (laughs)
0: look it's ironclad i'm not i'm not arguing with the logic right i'm just saying that i don't land there michael it sounded like you were gonna say mm, "Yeah, go ahead
2: i just wanted to say so okay so one thing is uh that uh the the soldier miles uh He has like Jonas's speech habits, of course. And then Severian is like, I really I I really miss my friend Jonas and I wanted him to come back. And I think I probably maybe pulled him back through time into you. Uh, But uh, the soldier himself, when he's talking, he says. uh, Yeah, so uh, Severian asks him this is on page 230. Severian asks him. You know, basically, what was death like? Or the, the soldier, for for if you're not reading along, does not think he was uh-huh. dead. He thinks that he was like you know near death, like uh, uh, hallucinating or whatever. But he does not believe that he was dead, and this is notable because this is also a very like Jonas way of being skeptical of Severian. Right? This is the uh, a repeat of the Ulan on the road. He wasn't dead. He was just near death. Um, uh, and so Severian asks him, "What do you remember? Tell me all of it, and I'll tell you what I know and what I can guess." Um, and this is the, so this is what the soldier remembers walking with you a lot of darkness. I fell or maybe flew through it, seeing my own face multiplied again and again, a girl with hair like red gold and enormous eyes, a beautiful woman asks Severian. He nodded the most beautiful woman in the world. And like you, Cameron, I think that there's a, a a wonderful, like, this is clearly meant to be ambiguous, right? It has been constructed such Mm -hmm. that you can read this and knowing what Severian knows, you can be like, oh, he's seeing himself repeated. Well, we know that Jonas walked into that weird circle of mirrors. Oh, there's a beautiful woman, the most beautiful woman in the world. Well, we know Jonas was really fixated on Jalenta, but also, I mean, the, the guy was dead apparently. Who the hell <laughs> yeah. knows what's going on? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe when you die, you just see your own face forever. Uh, and he had a a woman back home, right? He was writing the letter to his love. And right, right. why why maybe not uh recognize her as the most beautiful woman in
1: the world? It's it's so, so cool. <laughs> There's also that bit where Severian is is trying to uh, you know, is talking to him in in during while walking around, or maybe it's after that. Uh, and is, is the bit? It's the bit where he says like, "Oh yeah, I never had a child. I mean, Thecla. I mean, I, I never had a child." Uh, <laughs> and then apologizes like, "You got to excuse me when I'm tired. Sometimes when I'm near sleep." I almost become someone else, and then and then Miles grips his like tightens his grip on his shoulder, and you know that could just be a guy being like, "Oh, buddy, we got to get you to a hospital," but it could <laughs> also be he, his friend Jonas inside of Miles being like, "I'm in here too. I'm also two people. Mm-hmm. I'm I am in a Thecla situation. You know, um, I think that that to me is a fun read on this of the reads." My least favorite is it's just Jonas again, and my most favorite is Jonas is in a Thecla situation inside of Miles uh, in a way that Miles doesn't understand because there was no big ritual around it um, uh, in terms of uh, you know oh yeah you're going to eat this this whatever this stew and then become a and then then Thecla will be inside of you you'll have the memories and because you're a special memory boy you're going to remember all of it right because remember that's part <laughs> mm-hmm. of the Alzabo thing. Is that Severian? Everybody who ate the Alzabo had that that moment of Thecla, but Severian has a perfect memory. Thecla, all of those memories maintained in him uh, mm-hmm. in in a way that it, right. they passed through everybody else. Um, and so, like you could imagine that like bits of Jonas just bouncing around inside this guy. Not that this guy ate the Alzabo, but you know what I mean, right? If right. if a similar situation happened, if, if Jonas had been pulled back through time and space. For some reason, because Severian really wanted that to happen, and the Claw doesn't just re- rewind time; it does other stuff, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Then, then there is there is a space here for where this could be partly Jonas, and I, I, I do kind of like it. I'm I'm kind of on team confused. Joe, my favorite thing is when. The nurse says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I got a message from your friend. He says he remembered his name. She, what she says is, I got a message from your friend, Miles. He says he remembered his name. Uh, and Severian's like, oh, what's his name? And she's like, it's My- It's Miles. He said already. And Severian <laughs> gave him that name. So what's going right. on? Interesting. Mm, who can know? Who can know? Not me. Uh, my my guess is the next book or some other book Gene wrote six years later. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Does that ever? Does uh, I don't think this comes back,
2: does it? Um, I can't remember. Not to my recollection. Not with as, uh, I guess what I, to my recollection, Earth does not revisit this point with as much finality as it revisits some other points. Okay.
0: Yeah. I think that's actually a thing that is frustrating to some people mm. is that it does it, which is, sure. Perfect chef's kiss. I'll take it every day. <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah, there yeah, I'm just a I, I'm like a true believer that like. Just some kind of it. It's just some Severian guy. It's a feverish. Right. Yeah. And misses is his buddy ass, wishes, right? which is why Miles looks at him dead eyed when he's like, <laughs> I know you're in there, Jonas. He just stands up and walks away. Um, <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, this guy's just babbling at me again.
2: One thing I want to point out about, uh, uh, because it's not much to say about it, but in a lot of these conversations with, uh, Miles, uh, Severian is going back to Valeria and the Atrium of Time again and yeah. again and again. Yeah. Like that's weighing yeah. heavily on him.
0: We, uh, part of that, let, let, let's talk about that because it comes up here in, I think, at the end, right? Um, of this, uh, dream he has, this fever dream. Oh, yeah. Does, does, uh, I think going to the atrium comes up here. Doesn't he like come up out of the thing? Yeah. 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 Um, well, yeah. What do we think about this fever dream? It's on like two twenty one to to two twenty three, essentially to me, I, there's a lot going on here. I don't know. It is not as directly kind of allegorical. I think to like the big plotty plot, plot stuff as many of the other stories are that have showed up that we just kind of can't cash out, um, because they are related to the end of the book. But, um, what I do think is interesting is this thing around Marin, right? So um, Marin and the Cumaean, if you remember, they were there for Apu uh-huh. Uh And the Cumaean, like, you know, they could look through the Cumaean's body and see, uh, like, a little r- wretched alien in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lizard alien. Um, so they, like, go to Mal... In, you know, it's all fever dream stuff. So it's like uh, Severian is in Master Malrubius's sick room well, as Master Malrubius is dying.
1: First yeah. of all, He's in he's back in the, the citadel. He's back in the tower, yeah. but the tower is in space. Yeah, the citadel is launched, yes. essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All the rockets have launched. Yeah.
0: Um and, and within that, he's like navigating the Madican Tower, all that kind of stuff. And there's like no gravity or low gravity, so he has to be very careful. And they end up in Master Malrubius's sick room. Um, and so obviously this is some memory stuff going on for Severian around the Master Malrubius' death, which is Been mentioned several times but and that he was kind of cloistered away and no one can see him and all kinds of things. But you get a sense we don't know everything Severian knows, Uh I think, about what happened there. Um, There were two ports, as I remembered, but they were enormous, the eyes of Mount Typhon. So he's, like, collapsing all of his experiences together. Master Malrubius' bed was very large. It seemed lost in the immensity of the room. Two figures bent over him. Through their clothing, though their clothing was dark, it struck me that it was not the fool again of the guild. I went to them, and when I was so near I could hear the sick man's labored breathing, they straightened up and turned to me. They were the Cumaean and her acolyte Marin, the witches we had met atop, uh, atop the tomb in the ruined stone tower. That's a hard one. Atop the tomb in the ruined stone tower. Um, ah, sister, you have come at last, Marin said. As she spoke, I realized that I was not, as I had thought, the apprentice Severian. I was Thecla as she had been when she was at his height, which is to say about the age of 13 or 14. I felt an intense embarrassment, not because of my girl's body or because I was wearing masculine clothes, which indeed I rather enjoyed, but because I'd been unaware of it previously. I also felt that Marin's words had been an act of magic, that both Severian and I had been present before, and that she had, by some means, driven him into the background. The, the Cumaean kissed me on the forehead, and when the kiss was over, wiped blood from her lips. Although she did not speak, I knew that this was a signal that I had, in some sense, become the soldier, too. When we sleep, Marin told me, we move from temporality to eternity. When we wake, the Cumaean whispered, we lose the facility to see beyond the present moment. She never wakes. Marin boasted, <laughs> "That's an all-timer. Right? Mm-hmm. That's an all-timer. That's a thing. She never wakes. Yeah, mm-hmm. boasted. You know <laughs> what? 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 A great thing here. But, I yeah. What do y'all make of this story? What do you take from it? I mean, it's obviously highly symbolic, and uh, that thing going on with Thecla. That I, I mean, I'm reading that on purpose. There's something fascinating that even happens in the narration there, where like the recognition that she is not severian
1: changes the who the narrator is really per, you know specifically there right well and i the pronoun usage in that sentence is great because it's i was thekla as she had been when she was his height which is to yeah. say at about the age of 13 or 14 there's yeah. the, the i is like looser it's 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 floating right mm-hmm. um there is both still she and he after the i um uh which is great and,
0: uh, the, the, the POV character, the, the Severian that we have here is a Severian of the time that he knew Master Malrubius, but transposed onto the same age, Thecla, mm-hmm. right? There's like a weird thing going on there too, where they they both are adolescents in the same moment in this like dream state, mm-hmm. um, which is notably not how we know Thecla, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing we really know about Thecla's adolescence um, we know that she, you know, uh, had the kind of nurse slash maid, you know, we find out here actually in the section that the, um, that the woman that Severian sees de you know, at the beginning of the book is Thekla's maid. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so all of these things are kind of tied together, but the, the, really the other thing that we know about that, uh, about her like youth is the story she tells about father, uh, Inure, you know, mm-hmm. t- taking that girl. Um, that that becomes a, a story about the experience of the narrator of this book as much as it is anything else but um, right so yeah it's an interesting uh, age to kind of uh bring bring into the story here
1: right and then the, then the place his dream goes is I mean first of all, Heather comes back and does one of his long. <laughs> Screeds um, This is the like, best one he,
2: He's It is the best one This is the one That I love the most And I also uh, Want to point out Austin He does not just Come back He's also really <laughs> tiny And in a water carafe He
1: is <laughs> yes. oh, They put a little They put a cup on top of him Like they're trapping An insect It's great Yeah Oh a weirdo. Anyway, that all happened. You know, we don't need to read that, but it's great. Go read it. Um, uh, then the thing that happens is like the, Cuma- the Cumaean takes one of his hands and Malrubius takes the other and Triskel is there. It's extremely... Like you know, uh, uh, wish fulfillment dream. All the all of the cool old people in my life are back, and so is my little dog. And we trapped that weirdo in the cup, and <laughs> uh, and I'm you know, and we're in space. And then they take they each the command takes his left hand or takes their left hand, and then the and Melrubius takes their right hand, and they go and the look out of the Typhon eyes, basically, to see the same view that Typhon had shown Severian, uh, which is the world, uh, and. Now the sun, this is, this is the new sun has come, right? The beams of the sun are stronger than they used to be. Shadows are alchemized to gold and every green thing grew darker and stronger. As I looked, I could see the grain ripening in the fields and even the myriad fish of the sea doubling and redoubling with the increase of the tiny surface plants that sustained them. Water from the room behind us poured from the eye and catching the light fell in a rainbow. And it's like, all right, like, these two vague mentor, uh, these powerful figures in, in adult figures in your life have taken your hands. Uh, you in Thecla's body, but wearing masculine clothes, um, uh to see that the the future is here. I mean, this is this is our uh the special Androgyne boy uh child in um in uh the the in call. It's happening, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. The rainbow is here. It's truly. Yeah. We're, we're destroying all things. We're destroying all binaries and replacing them with, and it's a dream. And like, I, you know, I, I I know we're reading a book called the new Sun, Uh, but this is, this is about as like, this feels like about as dreamlike as the version of it can be where I'm pretty sure when we get there, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck I'm getting into. I'm not going to predict where we're going. I have no idea. I mean, so, uh,
2: you know, it's, uh, uh, what, to, to revisit just how how we've been primed here. When we sleep, Marin told me, right. we move from temporality yes. to eternity. Yeah, right. Yeah. So there's something going on here with uh, both sleep and death, and sort of the relationship to time that one has when one is sleeping and or dead and or never waking. And
1: uh, uh, because well, we know that death is not death in a world where. Marin and the Cumeyan were part of the ritual to bring Apu Punch out back, right? Right. If if the dead can call on the if the dead can call on the living to bring them back, then death is not the thing that we think death is. We talked about this, right? Right. And Samarian has talked about this. So
2: if we're sleeping, when we dream, have we moved into some right. form of eternity?
1: That seems to be what Marin is saying. <laughs> and the Cumean's always there. Mm-hmm. Sure cool cool it's already happened it's good <laughs> which we also get is that in here where is the bit in here where where severian kind of lays out the what the conciliator is going to do
3: yeah and he's like is, oh the
1: conciliator and the new sun that's the same thing that's in the previous it's like right at the end of the previous that. it's right before this dream right I don't believe, uh, yeah, uh, this is this is like on the last page of, of Chapter 3, right before Fever. Um, uh, yeah, 217, if you got the omnibus volume, There we go. I don't know if you believe in the new son. I'm not sure I ever have. But if he will exist, he will be the conciliator come again. And thus, conciliator and new son are only two names for the same individual. And we may ask why that individual should be called the new son. What do you think? Might it not be for this power to move time?
3: Sure. Mm. Uh-huh. <laughs>
0: Uh, and yeah right we we gotta remember too that he uh, literally in the last book he was like I'm conquering time (laughs) I'm done with this shit
3: I think
2: Chekhov has a rule about that when a character says they're going to conquer (laughs) time in the first act by the last act they have conquered time (laughs) by the previous act they've conquered
1: time (laughs) they get to the hospital Yep. again everyone's like oh you guys are sick yeah all of it's specifically
2: like all of Severian's little like uh, uh wounds from the Baldanders fight, the uh stone splinters that were hitting him, they mm-hmm. all got infected, and he's got you know, like low key
0: septicemia or something well, yeah. so is it so i I wonder about that because they talk about it i I think that it is the uh when his big orb exploded mm. when his like when his mace his big like weird oh, electric sure, mace sure, thing, sure. yeah.
1: Or maybe Terminus no, because S, too. He, he might does, have
0: low-grade mercury poisoning. <laughs> he might have that.
1: But he does also, remember, in the fight, Baldanders is breaking up the ground to sh- launch yeah. the rock shards at him.
0: Yeah, yeah. I you mean, know? I, I know that occurred, but I think, I you think, think that, actual like, the sickness thing that Yeah, I think, I think the thing that is harming him is, like, whatever that is. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, future radiation poisoning or, you know, some uh-huh. some cool thing. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, they do say you got a bunch of wounds that are all infected, dude. Uh-huh. You were like, full of infected. Uh, which is very funny to me. Okay, um, yeah. So we have that. And then we really get um, kind of our, the other thing here, right? The kind of two other major events are the introduction of the storytellers and then um, uh, the Pellerines conversation. So why don't we talk about the Pellerine conversation and just get that out of the way? And then no. we'll talk about all of these storytelling characters kind of all at a whack, uh, including uh, Loyal, Loyal. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we, uh, this Pellerine conversation, it, it is such a uh, wonderful letdown. I
1: think it's so good.
0: It's like, <laughs> hey, hey, I've, br- I've brought your thing back. I've, I, I brought your gym. And they're like, this isn't our gym. Yeah, goofball. It was a you sapphire,
2: you
1: fool. Yeah. yeah, it was big. This is like a little piece of garbage you brought. They're like, this is a tooth or something. But it heals people. Oh, it heals people. Look, we're in a hospital. You think we had a gem that heals people? We wouldn't use the gem that heals people. That's that is you wouldn't think that we you don't think there's like not a lot of us. You don't think there'd be more of us (laughs) if we had a gem that heals people? Listen to yourself. (laughs) You're sick. Go to bed.
0: And he does. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I think that's such a funny It's so funny I don't know thing that happens. And you would think there'd be more buildup around it, but there's really not.
1: That's it. (laughs) There's also another all-timer Severian is is not capable of following lines of argument moment um where the Pellerine is weighing in on, a, on one of the stories that we'll talk about in a moment um and is explaining that like oh yeah you know the the you want know the problem was with that with that one character and Severian's like yeah it's cuz he was in love and she's like no that that was the good <laughs> it was good that he was in love you know, everyone is everyone is, is uh like a like a uh, a plant. You know, you have like the the petals, you have the leaves, and then you have the roots. Um, mm-hmm. and he's like, Yeah, you know, I know all about good and evil. And she's like, I didn't <laughs> I didn't say anything <laughs> about good and evil. And they continue going back and forth like this. And then and then at one point she's like, um, you know, everyone has the need to feel needed, basically, right? Everyone mm-hmm. wants to, to have, I mean, that's not really, it's actually the other I way around. It's like, I, everyone wants to have authority, right? Everyone wants yes. to have a command. Everyone wants to command something in the world. And so, like, the officers at the war don't have a problem with that. They have the soldiers. But the soldiers sometimes don't have anything. So they b- form bonds between each other, or they have a, uh, a lover, or they have pets, or some of them have children that they that they raise because they're homeless. And Severian is like, is remembering Casto's son. I said, I can see why you object to that. And she's like, "We don't object to that. We don't <laughs> object to adopting orphans. What are you thinking?" <laughs> it's that's not the thing. <laughs> ah! It's it's the instinct to exercise authority. It's like and he can't. He can't follow the, the line of argument.
2: Right. Right, right. Cuz her whole point on that is that uh and this is I'm I'm glad we you brought it up and then rephrased it. Cause I think there's two things being fused together yes. here, right? The desire to be needed, but the fact that it is framed consistently as the <laughs> desire to exercise authority is one that is like telling, right? The, yes. the, like yeah. that's an ideological framing of, of that. Or like, you know, we can at least like divine some sort of ideological lean from it. Uh, and her whole point in bringing this up is talking about one of the stories that we're going to talk about in a minute, but she's saying that, uh, in the same way that uh the the roots and the leaves and whatnot grow up uh, into the light, out of the or rather the 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 leaves and the shoots, right. grow up no. into the light from the roots which go down into the darkness., uh, people's positive qualities or like good things they do uh, can grow out of elements of them that are unseen and maybe less savory. And so she or in, but then this, you know, the uh, they work in tandem. Uh-huh. Uh, so the, the, the and point even she's sometimes big- like not even less savory mm-hmm. just you don't see them right she, her point in that story was uh, the guy ends up doing a thing that is bad but for a very understandable and human reason right
0: right totally can we uh, before we is that is that the end of Pellerine talk um...
1: she says keep the claw it's not a claw it's not a claw and, and he's like it is a claw and she's like, that was a flaw at the heart of the jewel. Uh, he was like, it was dashed against the rock, and the giant threw it from the parapet." She's like, I was trying to calm you down, but I can see I'm only exciting you. <laughs> like, and he says she leaned forward and kissed him. In my mm-hmm. mind, that's a little forehead kiss. That's a little like, mm-hmm. all right, now. Or like a, like a mm-hmm. mom be like, all right, now, sweetie, go to bed. You know?
2: Yeah, yeah this lady is definitely played by like, you know, Judy Dench
0: or something. in the movie, <laughs> Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh i wanna I wanna float two things here yeah uh one, can you imagine hearing the story <laughs> a giant there was a giant who could float good in the <laughs> air and then he smashed me with his mace so that's fun yeah, it's saw. very funny number two, I've just considered that maybe when Dr Talos told us that they found a baby baby, then maybe that was the baby No,
1: you said this last episode did I
0: yeah I'm a genius. No, twice. I said this okay, last Michael episode, this and last. then you shot me down. <laughs> <laughs> Did I, I said, it, "I said it can't be the baby."
1: Yes. Well, you said, "Yeah, I think you said when they I say ate it, that it's baby. smart, and when you say it, I don't like Didn't it." Did they eat that baby? Do they eat? the my imagining? No, they ate the baby pig. They, they ate, ate the baby pig. pig. They ate the baby pig. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, when I, it, Michael, when I do it, it's good. Okay, this is like all the other stuff. <laughs> 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 uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh OK, fine. That's not. Uh, my- so that's
1: part of my whole theory. <laughs> Wait, why is this part? Of, what? What's what's your uh, whole theory? Th-
0: so my theory, right? I brought
2: this up last time is that Severian frames the baby as like Baldanders potential catamite. And I said, what if the baby is like a second body that Baldanders right. is growing? Right. Because we know that uh, his process of regeneration is always putting stresses on right. his body. Um, and one of the reasons why this is uh, appealing to me is that it plays on what I've talked about in the last episode about um, foils, parallels, and symmetry, where uh, we have Baldanders and this little giant baby, and then we have Severian and Little Severian, and we've already talked about uh, kind of the the weird resonances or potentialities there of like you know Little Severian becoming Big Severian or what have you. Uh and and I think, you know, that I I put these things together because I like having that kind of parallel structure that in the same way Severian had and lost a little Severian, uh Baldanders had and lost a little Baldanders.
3: Mm.
0: No, I think that's wrong. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that makes much sense to me personally. Uh two things to to talk about here to close out the episode. One is uh I, I do, I'm just going to read this conversation that happens. I think Foila is talking. She says, no, maybe maybe this is Miles. I don't know who's talking. I'm not going to go far enough up the page to figure it out. It doesn't matter. They're, they're looking at a soldier who's like having a bad time. He's like bummed out. Um, the soldier shook his head. He had an energy weapon, a corsake. That's what someone told me. Are you familiar with them? Severian says, not very. They project a beam straight forward and at the same time two quartering beams forward left and forward right. The range isn't great, but they say they're very good for dealing with mass attacks, and I suppose they are. He looked about for a moment to see if anyone was listening, but it is a point of honor in the Lazaret to disregard completely any conversation not intended for oneself. If it were not so, the patients would soon be at each other's throats. His hundred was the target of one of those attacks. Most of the others broke and ran. He didn't, and they did not get him. Another man told me there were three walls of bodies in front of him. He had dropped them until the Asians were climbing up the top and jumping down at him. Then he had backed away and piled them up again. I said, I suppose he got a medal and a promotion. I could not be sure if it was my fever returning or merely the heat of the day, but I felt sticky and somehow suffocated. No, they sent him here. I told you he was only a boy from the country. He had killed more people that day than he had ever seen up to the time a few months ago when he went away into the army. He still hasn't gotten over it, and maybe he never will. Yes? It seems to me you might be like that. I don't understand you, I said. You talk as if you've just come here from the south, and I suppose that if you've left your legion, that's the safest way to talk. Just the same, anybody can see it isn't true. People don't get cut up the way you are except where the fighting is. You were hit by rock splinters. That's what happened to you, and the pelerin who spoke to us the first night we were here saw that right away. I think you've been north longer than you'll admit, and maybe longer than you think yourself. If you've killed a lot of people, it might be nice for you to believe you have a way to bring them back. And, like, they keep talking. But that's the thing that kind of matters here, I think, is, like, this is really laying out for us very clearly. Number one, this thing going on with this other soldier who, you know, is clearly undergoing some severe mental strain. But the other one is that the the dead resurrection stuff going on here, right, is getting really neatly allegorized Mm -hmm. into the torturing and lictor and executioner stuff going on here, which is, like, they are opposite sides. And... The grace of the claw counterbalances all the the horror and murder that Severian's done so far. That's going to come up again later. I think. I think it's important. I just want to hold it. I also want to float. I I think that other soldier soldier that might be Gene Wolf. Um, because yeah. I looked up his uh his action, you know, like did he? Because you know he went to Korea, mm-hmm. he did see combat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they did give him a laser gun. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Uh, no, no, but but, you know, like I do think there's some some uh, purposeful narration going on here or narrativization of like, what is war like? Well, modern war is they give you a machine that kills people and uh, especially for people, you know, in in, uh, who are are brought into the military, right? The people who are um, uh, really heavily recruited into that service you know this is your this is the mechanism to get you around the world and it's also a murdering mechanism and so i do wonder if there's a little bit of self insert here
1: yeah um, yeah that um, line that's like you know saw more people than he ever had yeah. in his yeah. small town basically and, or not saw more killed more that yeah. day than he had ever yeah. seen before is just like brutal
2: yeah mm-hmm. uh, so uh you asked last time Cameron you know do we know if Gene will saw combat and as you've discovered mm. he did the uh uh uh, actually, uh, about the author at the end of this book mentions quite specifically after he uh was drafted, and I and this is notable, right? Like I think it is notable that the biography frames it as he was drafted, right? Mm-hmm. He did not like yeah. join the yeah. war, but he was drafted, and he was awarded the combat infantry ba- badge during the Korean War. Another thing that's relevant here is um. Uh, Brian Phillips uh, in 2019, when Wolf passed away, wrote a kind of uh, obituary retrospective about Wolf for the ringer. And I'm just going to drop this into the discord for y'all. And he doesn't, you know, like cite his sources or anything, but I assume that this is all, all fairly accurate and drawn from interviews Wolf gave and everything. And uh, it is mentioned in this obituary, um, sort of like talking about Wolf's experiences when he's drafted and when he comes back, uh, 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 Phillips does not say it this way, but he describes Wolf having symptoms of PTSD of like hearing loud bangs outside and like dropping to the floor and his family having to
0: deal with that. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, th- this is a. We're going to get more of this, obviously, going forward, but, you know, there's a there's a bit of a meditation on war and this character. This is such a weird scene in terms of this is not the kind of scene that appears, you know across the, these novels. Like, let's have a conversation. Look at that guy over there. You ever think about that guy? Like, normally that gets um, no. abstracted up, right? You know, we get big, heady conversations about what is war. You know, you can imagine the Call of the Conciliator version, you know, the the book, you know, uh, of him talking to Jonas and having a very abstract conversation about war and authority, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this is a a deeply personal conversation about what what are the outcomes of killing people and we know it by evidence and the evidence is over there this guy this unnamed character who I, as far as i know does not come up again mm-hmm. um who is feeling more you know the the reality of war so i just want to peg that you know so people um if, you, if you're curious to checking it out it's on 232 of the big omnibus version but that seemed to be pretty heady to me um let's talk about the the storytellers Uh, Because that's actually where this comes in. This is like an insert in the middle of that. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. we've got Miles, who's the soldier. Foila, uh, who is, uh, she's a hussar. She's a blue hussar, right? Um, Melito and Halvard. I don't know what they are. We're told. I just don't remember. And they have all been wounded or removed from battle in some way. And they are here and they don't want to go back (sighs) to war. Because war is bad. Because war is bad. Yeah. War is sucks. And they like are definitely believe that they'll just be killed. You know, there's there is no belief in the cause here whatsoever. You know, the uh, uh all the way back in Saltus, people are all about the war, right? Mm-hmm. And like the power of the war and the importance of the war and oh, you gotta get those Asians here. Uh, people are just like trying to get by on the front line. And they don't want to go back to war, but they also want to get married. Melito and Halvert are competing for Foyla's affections and want to They're using a storytelling contest, as Michael, you mentioned earlier. Severian's the judge of it. Um, So, yeah, what do you all think of these characters? What do you think of the stories they tell? As I said, go ahead. Oh, uh,
2: as as I sort of uh, began this, um, there's I feel of two minds about what's going on here. One is I am a guy who loves a digression. Uh, Not, you know, universally or totally, but like. I love, uh, the, the story about the story, right? I love it when, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm reading a science fiction novel and it's like, Hey, let's resume, uh, this old, like, you know, very, very old format of a bunch of people in a place are telling stories to one another. And then we're going to have like a bunch of little inset stories. I really do like kind of the overall device. Um, and at the same time, uh, as I suggested at the beginning of this episode, uh, that there's a real way that this feels like Gene Wolfe split the last book into two books and now (laughs) needs to come up with a way to
1: make this last book longer. Yeah, that's fair for what it's worth. I, I need this right now. Like we got a real light reading here coming off of a, a, Uh, A big dramatic conclusion to the last book. The book needs this, maybe, is really what Mm -hmm. I'm saying. Because Mm -hmm. if we were going to jump into whatever the rest of this is, whether that's more war stuff or more theology, being able to start with, here are some people talking about themselves and their places in the world by way of stories that they tell really primes me. One, it's easy reading and it's good reading. it's it's simple. It has the sort of like, you know the the two stories that we get today. Uh, the first is a, a, as you said before, it's an inheritance story. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the elders of a family are dying, uh, you know the, the who own all the property. and so they say, hey, look, our two are you know the, there's three sons and the two of the sons don't look like they're gonna get married. Um, uh, hey, okay. The older one gets the land. Then, when the older one dies, the the younger one gets the land. And when that one dies, the third one who has a who has a family will get uh will will get all their land to split up among their own kids down the line, right? Uh, and then oh, there's a murder there's a there's a, a driven by the desire to lead to, someone falls in love right one of the one of the the uncles who's supposed to not get married falls in love and then there's a betrayal and there's there's uh, a murder out on the on the sea while they're sealing um, a real classic type story and the second one, like you said is kind of a not an Aesops fable but like uh, that style of, the the chicken and the mm-hmm. angel and the eagle and you know this this rooster thinks he's hot shit and you know this kind of mythologized animal animal tale mm-hmm. um uh and both of those styles of story just go down so smooth compared to a lot of and i and i mean that in like the it is like a really light beer like um, <laughs> you get you get a little you get a little uh, morality play you get a little bit of stuff to chew on you're getting some light characterization about these people you're getting a little mm-hmm. bit of world building here right wait, because wait 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 we gotta go back what's up
0: you're chewing on your light beer
1: I'm chewing it I freeze mm-hmm. it I make a little wow. popsicle and I go mm. rah, 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 rah.
0: it's kind of like a meringue yeah mm. yeah
1: yeah. <laughs> But yeah, you're getting all the pieces. I you know what I mean? What you're and you're saying, getting like, right? oh, yeah. look, hey, this is Halvard. Uh, one of the two speakers is coming from a place to the south and the east, the furthest east of the southern islands, um, which we haven't really been to. We haven't really seen what's east of the Citadel, which is where I imagine this is. Um, you know, this this kind of southern, this deep south um, uh, uh, all near Antarctica, presumably. Right. Hunting, near Erebus, Right. Well, near Arabis. and And notably – they talk about Erebus's raiders and ships mm-hmm. in this story, not Erebus's creatures, not the mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, Erebus has has ships out there doing piracy, yeah. doing doing during Viking doing Viking raids or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think he's he's from like the like Tierra del Fuego, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. like uh, let me let me let me pop a little map in here, right? Um, it, it's another fun moment too of like kind of playing with real world. Uh, geography, uh-huh. um, or you know, like so, it's kind of South America, kind of not right, right. Um, right. because one could imagine it by his description. If you took uh, the real South America and like mirrored it left right, right, you know what I mean, you would have a bigger archipelago going out east rather than going what we have west. currently, which is west. Right. So yeah, it is interesting uh-huh. to do that, and yeah, like you're saying too. Also, stapled on top of that is this like. Kind of, uh, you know, Northern European, you know, right. Viking esque culture yep. thing.
1: Yeah, um, and, and and truly, it. I, I. There is something about starting the book this way that is, I think, you know, this book starts by being like, you don't know what the fuck war is, mm-hmm. and then and then following that up by being like, hey, let's spend time with four people who have been at the front, mm-hmm. you know, uh, who've gone through it, who don't want to go back to it. How are they relating to each other? How are they clawing out a little bit of uh, humanity for themselves? And the answer is like a rivalry, a love triangle. Because uh, that's what's happening, like you said, right? Is is uh, Melito and Halvard are both vying for the hand of Foyla uh, in marriage. And neither of them have shit. So it's not like she can make like a smart investment-driven choice. <laughs> um, <laughs> she likes them both well enough, it seems, you know? At this point, uh, you know, uh, uh, it seems like there's more stories to go. So I don't know. But. Right. Well, and it's also the, and we've already talked about
2: this, but it does feel so much like a war novel. Like reading this yep. makes me think of all of, like the Civil War novels that I read in middle school and high school for some reason that followed this sort of similar pattern of like someone goes off to war. Uh, you know, bad stuff happens. But uh, one of the main things that really the that is the draw of those novels, I think, is, a person from a particular place meets a whole bunch of other people from other particular places. And we get kind of these profiles of them established. And this is all done very elegantly here through, um, the stories that they're telling. Uh, and then, uh, this sense, at least for me, right, this very melancholy sense in the storytelling contest that maybe this is true, right? Maybe Foyla will marry whoever, uh, uh, wins this contest, but also there's a sense, to me, at least, that it's uh, this is a thing to pass the time.
0: Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah, 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 definitely. And the likelihood of this of they are just as likely to go back to war and be obliterated by a laser gun. Yep. Right. Or a giant robot than they are to get married. Right. Or as they are to get married. So, you know, yeah, I think you're right. There's a little bit of, uh, you know, storytelling at the end of the world going on here. Well, and there's and some really literally is the end of the
1: world. conversation around. It is literally you're right, it is. but there's also some fun some fun conversation like what does it mean to be a, the judge of a story?
3: Um, mm-hmm.
1: are, you, are you which I think is it hits well in the middle of all of this conversation we're having around like the prose just goes down so smooth in this chapter or in these chapters. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of Melito's story, uh, I believe it's at the end of Melito's story, you know, the the they describe like, hey, you know, is it about um, is it about the the content of the story, or is it about how the story is told? What is it that's being judged actually? Mm-hmm. What should Severian be be paying most attention to here? Um, and of course, uh, loyal loyal to the group seventeen uh-huh. has an opinion on this. Right. I,
2: love, I love that uh, he's kind of just observing all of that. Yep. And then when they get to the point of like, how do you judge a story? Like, Loyal has opinions.
1: And let me read this out loud because I think that we have not talked about how Loyal talks directly. Mm-hmm. The Asian said, all who speak correct thoughts speak well. Where then is the superiority of some students to others? It is, in, it is in the speaking. Intelligent students speak correct thought intelligently. The hearer knows by the intonation of their voices that they understand. By this superior speaking of intelligent students, correct thought is passed like fire from one to another. It matters how you say it. Mm-hmm. And like Foila, yeah.
2: Foila is also interpreting for everyone else uh, because yes, what is right.
1: what we learn
2: shortly after Severian wakes up and meets Loyal is that Asians uh, only speak in uh, quotations from an approved text. Mm-hmm. That is their... Their deal, uh, you know. Think mm-hmm. of uh, the famous TNG uh, Shaka. The walls fell, uh, uh-huh. except rather than being like, "Hey, what if we what if we were trying to uh, tell a story about the importance of metaphor in communication?" Uh, we were mainly just talking about how communists uh, want to control your thoughts.
1: Uh huh. We were mostly mad at at leftists uh, who say that you're writing, a, you're, you're speaking against, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the approved, you know, like mm-hmm. you're going outside of the political lines here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I do think Gene Wolfe, like very explicitly, I
0: don't know if he hates leftists. I think he hates communists. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, so in
1: much a of very this stuff feels, but, but so much of this stuff feels aimed at the the sort of campus culture stuff to me, actually. Even then. Well, yeah, I mean, this is the origin of the term political correctness, yeah, right? Uh, it, it that's what I mean. Man. As a
0: popular term in the 70s in order to describe, uh, uh, for right-wingers to describe, right. uh, you know, the the kind of mechanisms that you're talking about uh, in America.
1: I, 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 it I is have explicitly a, a, communism in the sense that, or it is ex- the, the Asians seem to be, uh, not explicitly, but there is a populist, you know, um, again, everything that Loyal says is this sort of quote is this sort mm-hmm. of dogmatic which the irony is not lost on me um this dogmatic uh statement about the people and how the people do right mm-hmm. or yeah. the you know uh you know at one point someone says but well, wait a second how can there be how can something new get added to an approved text and then the person you know he has an answer for that that is that is mm-hmm. a similarly rendered uh sort of rule um uh, and that's how he talks constantly
0: yeah i mean there's a a, a deep like bad taste around uh power to the people being a huge yep. phrase uh, over the previous decade for this being written, and then very specifically gene wolf evoking that here right so it sucks like uh, across the board, I think what's interesting uh is that the uh um we we get the the like this version of it. I have a slightly iconoclastic reading, I think, that I think this is also aimed at science fiction fans. Ooh. Ooh. That's fun. Say more. Who, well, I just think, right, like, the you know, you've read from the reviews, Michael, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, for some people, this doesn't sit well at all. Um, like this kind of mix of science fantasy, right, of going, right? you know, there are people who, trying so, to
2: say like, well, like people who are taking to the, the fanzines or, you know, whatever. And being like, well, here is, here is all the ways in which this book should be science fiction or all yeah, the ways in which it should right, be a uh, right. fantasy, like compartmentalizing it in that way.
0: Right. And so I think there's a little bit here too, of like dog, dogma bad, you mm-hmm. know, uh, you know who else also was a complete adherent to dogma for their entire life and still regularly is? It's our it's our dude Severian, right? Yeah. So yeah. there's something going on well, here right. too, I think, around that.
1: Like well, I should to be clear, like I actually am not uh I came in expecting worse for sure. And maybe we'll oh, get worse. Of course, you know. Yeah.
2: Um, uh, because you know, well, we the- did get the thing about the Asians—they make their pregnant women
0: fight.
3: Yeah, well, hey, they
0: want to. They want to. They believe that's that's correct thought. That's from the authorized texts.
3: Okay, you know? I mean, I think
0: that that is a direct like uh, swing at the women's movement, right? Like, yeah. Uh, oh, you you want to have full and equal rights? Well, did you know you got to fight war while pregnant, women? Like, like, I've heard this before, right? Like, you know, uh-huh. men in my life have said this before Where I was growing up. This is not an uncommon thought. I think this is like good old-fashioned Gene Wolfs, like, well, if you really want it, you know, his like genie
1: thinking of, mm, well, if you think <laughs> about it this way. Yeah, united men and women are stronger, but a brave woman desires children and not husbands. Mm. Uh-huh. I think they should sound cool as hell. I this think is that, the thing. Like, they got a communist North America going on where people only get to say the things I want to hear. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How shall the state be most vigorous? It shall be most vigorous when it's without conflict. How shall it be without conflict? When it's without disagreement, how shall disagreement be banished? By banishing the four causes of disagreement, lies, foolish talk, boastful talk, and talk which serves only to incite quarrels. How shall the four causes be banished? By speaking only correct thought. Then shall be the state without disagreement. Being without disagreement, it shall be without conflict. Being without conflict, it shall be vigorous, strong, and secure. You know, is he saying it all right, right here? <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Fridays. That's what loyal said. Right? No, I, it is. It is. You know, it is very clearly uh, a shot at that stuff. But it's being said inside of a corrupt and decrepit autarxy that yeah. is sending people to go kill more people in a day than they've seen in their lives, yeah. Prior, right? It. it this is a. This is. Um, you know. I don't think it, Gene is doing a like both sides are bad thing necessarily, but it's not like Jean has yet suggested an alternative that has functioned. Now, mm-hmm. was that what the rest of this book is going to be about? I'm sniffing the air. It feels like it might be. And I feel like I don't, I might not like that more than the Asians, but that feels like where we're maybe headed. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also like that. What, her name is Foyla. Foyla. Yeah. Uh,
0: I She misinterprets him like consistently. Yeah. Right. Like uh Loyal is saying things and she like gives a very linear interpretation. I'm I'm not exactly sure her interpretations are correct. Or is always right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't feel like they feel like uh the way that they are assuming the Asians are are talking, right? Is not the way I like that too. Mm-hmm. Um I also love their speculation of like, well, how do they how do they unload a cart? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. well. And I also do like that Severian does like that maneuver where he's like i'm gonna I'm gonna use my thecla brain on this asshole. You know what I mean? He's like, all right. well,, uh, if correct thought is is written by people and they're writing new stuff that's not already there, then they can't produce correct thought because they made it up. And he's like, the people make correct thought.
1: yeah, the people make correct thought. And of course, the seventeen leaders or whatever, yeah, yeah, the the group of, the 17. Group of seventeen, yeah, sorry, the group of seventeen. All these people from like 1960 forward. All these science fiction. You
0: know, this is the commensals in the left hand of darkness too, mm-hmm. right? Like everyone loves to make their like communist group parody. You know, mm-hmm. the, the the party leader parody, not parody, allegory commentary. Who cares? Yeah. Um. Well, you know let's dive into
2: everyone these. Everyone wants real quick. a gang
1: of four, except this is a group of seventeen. You know, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Whose urine a-
2: is the wine of their <laughs> subjects? Right. <laughs>
3: Yeah, uh, right. yeah, yeah,
0: totally different, very different than everyone having to be like uh, whose, whose butthole shines gloriously <laughs> in the sun uh, <laughs> under their breath constantly. So they don't get killed by a space laser or whatever they think is going to happen to them, right? And it um, might because the aliens are just hanging out with space
1: lasers at the theater. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows? It's not going great. Down the cacogens got open carry. They got open carry. They do. <laughs> The cacogens believe in one good guy with the ray gun. It's not good down here.
0: No, it really isn't.
1: No. Do you um, hear about it, what's happening in Nessus? Nessus is like a rolling <laughs> constant riot. And the police are like, yeah, well, what are you going to what are you going to do? This is the way the world works. Is
0: Nessus your Chicago? Is that what That's, you're. This is, yeah, this
1: is where I'm going.
0: This is the Ness- character. Every, everyone at the House uh-huh. Absolute is like, I don't know, you can't walk 10 the feet in of Nessus. Nessus. Right.
2: Yeah. N- Nessus, uh- Nessus eliminated cash bail, and it's a mess now.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: Lord. Very good. But yeah, that actually is what's up. Yeah. <laughs> like, weirdly enough. Mm-hmm. They're stealing chairs in Ness. It's like one of those things, like <laughs> occasionally they get to think right? They're like, people just go in and start taking chairs out of buildings. No one can even stop them. They've closed 15 chair emporiums. Na- the national chain. Oh. And you're like, okay, well, that I guess that is technically true. They are stealing lots of chairs in Nessus.
1: I mean, uh, you know. Yeah. Well, then you also have to get the opposite, right? Which is like, I think the the Commonwealth would just be better if Nessus had more seating. You know, the more public seating. People are stealing chairs. Because there's not a public seating in <laughs> Nessus. That's the only thing wrong with the autarksy is the people inside of it don't have enough seating or bathrooms. Everything else is good. The military part of it, great. Don't worry mm-hmm. about the rest of it. Let's just get more comfortable mm-hmm. inside of our I think it's decrepit. important. We should Empire. have
0: I, you know, occasionally I'll be on the road and I gotta get off because eight oolons <laughs> with glowing blue spears come by. I think it'd be better if we had 10 oolons. <laughs> yeah. And also some public
1: seating. I think that would resolve w- the issue. I would love 20 oolans. You know what? 20 Uhlans and also let me have porta potties throughout Nessus. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I was listening to this really great interview with um uh, the uh, captain of the Ullans, who was explaining in very clear detail why the Ullans are so important. <laughs> uh, okay, let's talk about Halvard's story. No, chief of Ulan International, <laughs> uh, the 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 key Ulan advocacy group <gasps> uh. in the Commonwealth. <laughs> they think that the the spear should be purple
1: instead of blue.
0: <laughs> instead of purple blue, was the original be color. For- they
1: were originally purple, right. and we lost sight we made them blue and i think it that would be sad. better
0: for public safety if they were purple because that would mean they were more on fire they're more on fire with the purple light yeah uh yeah so we got two stories sorry michael yeah. <laughs> we got two stories we got halvard's story of the two sealers i love that it's called the two sealers by the way yeah literally mm-hmm. meaning people who seal mm-hmm. you know who hunt seals as opposed to like closing things up genius scamp and then we get the angel the the cock, the angel, and the eagle. Yeah, this mm-hmm. uh, angel's kind of a punk. Everyone in that story is a punk. That I mean, rooster yeah. is a
1: punk. Yeah, but the, co- the rooster is a rooster. This is this is the same way I feel about Agilus. We are gonna have the Agilus fight again. <laughs> well,
0: the, the 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 rooster. What's what's great about that is that he is like solid snake, right? He has been <laughs> honed from before birth to be the perfect weapon. Uh, by this, like, uh, you know, uh, quote, unquote, odd Punished farmer. Punished
1: venom right? Uh. Right. Yes.
0: And then literally God comes down. Yeah. You know, the angel comes down and is like, I don't know if you can snipe as good. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brother. Um, but let's talk about the other one first really quickly. Sure. The, the, the general gist of Halvard's story is. Um, there are two brothers who are his uncles, and they um their father uh, is going to die at some point. Um it's more complicated than this, but he's gonna die at some point, and he says, I'm going to split my um inheritance or, you know, my, my possessions in this way, and it's predicated on the two brothers saying they will never marry. He says, Are you two gonna marry ever? And they're adult, you know, they're adults, mm-hmm. and they say women, no. not each other. that's right that's right he doesn't say we two never gonna marry each other and they're like we will not marry each other he's like okay fine no yeah will you marry other people and they say no and so then he like makes his deal about how he's gonna split his inheritance much later they are uh, on a seal hunting trip and uh, they one says hey I've been seeing this lady we're gonna get married Um, the other brother throws him in the water and it's very cold because it's you know Antarctica and uh and rips his rope tears the rope that would be able to kind of reel him back in and save him and he rips it so that he could you know kind of verifiably tell a story of he was dragged off by a seal and the rope broke you know so he's that strong he can rip the rope the other brother as he is dying essentially of of cold water um you know he's free he's titanic and out there right uh you know jack on the on the boat or on the on the board he whips his knife out and cuts the rope, right. So making it appear as if the other brother had had sliced his rope rather than it being torn by a seal. The murdering brother goes back to the uh, to, to the village and says, "You got dragged off by seal. He's dead." They like hang up uh, they you know put his uh, uh, jersey in the rafters. They have this like whole process they go through. <laughs> that is literally and what it is. They kind of, it is. It yeah, is that it I was rules, like you know, rules, human yeah. culture is cool. Yeah. Like we're we're a good species in some ways, right? <laughs> like this is the way to honor people, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you don't have the thing, jersey and the rafters, and um, so eventually the body washes up. It's got the rope on it that's cut, and they hunt him across. They hunt the surviving brother, um, the killing brother, and the murderer brother across the island, and they catch him. And I think he is he is killed, right? No, th- no, they there is no blood. They don't kill him. But he,
1: what happens to
0: him? At they the tie him long? up
1: so they can talk to him. Mm-hmm. Remember, because because the, yeah. they adopted the northern law against yeah. kinslaying or whatever. Yeah, right. But what happens after that? Anything? Oh, yeah. don't get into it.
0: I don't think they do. That's interesting. Also, I love that his name is uh, uh, Gandalf. <laughs> Good name. <laughs> yeah, strong name. Gandalf's brother, Gandalf. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and yes, yeah, so that's the story. And so the, the, you know, it is a story of brother slain of um, jealousy of obligation because the brother calls him oathbreaker, uh, And that's what makes him throw him off the boat uh-huh. um, is the idea of his, his honor being, um, you know, attacked there. And uh, that's the best story. Holford knows. And, and as we mentioned earlier, I, Michael, I think you brought this up. Melito brings this and says, Hey, He's telling you a stealth story. There's a meaning within the meaning here. Um, hint, hint stories have meanings with, within them. Um, there's a meaning within the meaning, which is that you know that he is going to receive a portion of this, you know, um, belongings after his own father dies, that Halvard will be an inheritor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a little bit of discussion around that. So that's the first story. Is there anything we want to say about that broadly here? Uh, I think that, uh, just the, uh, In line with
2: the stuff that the Pellerine says in the chapter after this that we already talked about, um, that this is a story that is ultimately about, uh, I mean, obviously, because it's a marriage contest, uh, but it's a story about the reproduction of the family, right? That, Uh like, uh, when when the Pellerine is talking about, like, all men desire to exercise authority, which... We can also read as like, you know, there's the desire to be needed. Uh, it is specifically within the context of having a wife and children, right? All men desire a wife and children to exercise their authority over, which is another way of saying, like, they want things that they have to care about and care for that then in turn care for them and appreciate them. Uh you know, take or, take or leave that, That's there's some ideology in there, but uh, it's something to keep in mind for, I think, you know, just w- what is the the tenor of uh, Book of the New Sun going into the end? Like, what is it holding up as kind of a picture of not necessarily the good life, but kind of the natural life? Natural,
1: yeah. It's definitely that sense of, I mean, they draw that direct line, right? Halvard says that when you push the boat out into the sea, you hear it go, like on the rocks or whatever, my wife, my children, my wife- Mm-hmm. which is very funny uh, to just read it in raw text. Like it's, it's meant to be this kind of not sentimental moment, right? But it is meant to be this moment about sentimentality. Um, but yeah, uh, it said that as a man pushes his boat out over the shingle, the sound the bottom makes grating on the stones is my wife, my children, my children, my wife, which... But I really like that. Again, sounds like a drill tweet. So <laughs> it, it does kind of sound like a drill, but it also like really
0: aligns with, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've I've. Uh, yeah, it just aligns with I had to write a book about Assassin's Creed, so I've read a bunch of stuff about like northern cultures, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like northern European cultures. And there is some r- purposeful alignment going on here, too. And also with. um uh, Julie Cruickshank's book, Do Glaciers Listen? That's why I was talking earlier about this kind of, you know, he's borrowing from two pretty distinct kind of right. censored traditions. Right. And, and that's about like kind of Alaskan native, you know, that's in big quotation marks, the kind of uh, indigenous groups that are in that region. Mm-hmm. And there's some stuff in that book that kind of has this vibe to it too of of social obligation, family obligation when you're doing things that are hyper dangerous, but also like necessary for your culture of survival. Um that book's got some really cool stuff about uh, things you shouldn't you shouldn't do around a glacier. Otherwise, it'll just straight kill you. Hmm. Uh, like you shouldn't cook with grease near a glacier because it'll piss it off and
1: it'll murder you. Hmm. That's why I don't fuck around with glaciers in any way, shape or form. Yeah, farm. me too. I stay away yeah. from them, just generally. Same. Yeah, I don't know all the glacier laws. I don't know all the rules of the glacier.
0: They've got a bunch. It's a, it's a very cool book. It's also a really cool book because... Uh, Crookshank does this comparative reading. I've, I've talked about this on other shows before, but uh, she looks at the French um, daily logbooks of first contact with these groups, um, and then uh, compares it to the oral stories
3: because that was her life. Oh, sure. She
0: was kind of a interesting. Uh, she was an anthropologist who was uh, just talking to people for like sixty years or forty or something like a long time, and so yeah. So she like there's a really cool chapter in there where she's like. Here's how the French read this. Here's the oral storytelling that's been going around for 200 years now about what happened at that day. Right. And it's really fascinating that the, you know, because we have this bias against oral storytelling that like detail gets lost out or whatever. This matters actually for Gene Wolfe because there's some like ideology embedded in that. And it's embedded in the uh, Gene Wolfe kind of historical biblical Jesus vibes that we've been talking about before, mm-hmm. um, you know, of like mythology. Might be the kind of interpretation of real world events, but kind of locked into orality, you know, we, we, without records. That's all across the the deep time stuff in this book. But what's fascinating about reading actual people who deal with this stuff is that like not a huge amount of detail actually gets lost. um the the oral history work, even going across hundreds of years, maintains a, a higher level of detail than um perhaps the kind of um, cultural imaginary that we have of it, you know, in white America in the 1980s would have you believe the the national geographic imaginary is this might shock you it is wrong (laughs) right right it's (laughs) uh
2: uh maybe the the primacy of print culture is overstated
0: somewhat right um so we get uh story and and what I like about the end of it is is this the first time that that Severian is just hanging out with people I think in a long time at least, right? Mm-hmm. I don't even know if it, because the There's, only other time I can think about that is like him with uh, Dr. Talos in the yeah, crew. Yeah, right? but like, yeah. those those are, I don't know. Like, that or doesn't feel being like being a, a child. Like, it's so pl- right? Like, being a child would be another yeah. one. But yeah. um, it's different. Yeah, I, was, it's different. I, I was reminded of the floating islands of Lake Diaturn and told Halvard and the others about them, though I did not describe the fight at Baldander's Castle. We talked in this way
1: until it was time for the evening meal. Yeah, I love that actual whole paragraph. There's like a real, um, there's a rhythm to it. There's like a quiet end of the afternoon. Everyone that asked Halvard questions about life in the South and compared what they had learned to the way their own people lived. Only the Asian was silent. Was silent. I was reminded. I was reminded of da 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 da. There was something about that whole chat, that whole paragraph that has, again, like the genre that it's in. The prose feels different. It is. It is mm-hmm. a sleepy late afternoon, early evening waiting for the meal to come. No one can go do anything. Mm-hmm. Everyone's sick or in recovery. You know what I mean? Recovering from mm-hmm. wounds. Um uh it's I it is it is an affective space that I don't know that we've been in.
0: Well it's really descriptive in the way that like a Hemingway Yes a uh, hundred you know, like for whom yeah. the bell tolls Hemingway is, is you, God. Yeah Hemingway is in this, this whole section, yeah. huh? Yeah, where, where you know what's happening, you can, you know, it's got a, a very strong image, but we, we don't get dialogue. Right. Know? We don't get any, we're not in that moment, we are seeing that moment. Um, and that's, that's important. But yeah, I think, I think those like Hemingway, you know, per, post-World War One novels.
1: I was going to say, even The Sun Also Rises, there's some, there's some of that, mm-hmm. like, even in the conversation with the Pellerine, there's a little mm-hmm. bit of that, like, Hemingway protagonist who is being told that he's misapprehending something from by mm-hmm. a woman that he is uh, overwhelmed by, you know, um, mm-hmm. there's there's. Yeah, I, I'd be curious to know if Gene is uh, what Gene feels about Hemingway. Oh, he's, he probably had some like a wild ass bad opinion about it. I just,
0: Like I'm that's curious. just in my gut. Yeah. I believe that <laughs> I have no reason to <laughs> to actually believe that. But um, but then we get Melito's story. Which is a little bit more complicated. I might need well, you know what? Let me just kick it over. Michael, do you want to summarize Melito's story? I don't remember how yeah. this story goes. Okay, well let me I'll There's I'll do a my rooster
2: best. and he's an asshole um, and his pride there's a, calls there's a wild yeah. rooster. Yeah. 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 Like you said it's it's an That's animal it. fable it's like chanticleer right uh he yeah. he gets too big for his britches and then he ends up uh like in a duel with an angel and then the angel gets one better over on him by uh swapping out himself for an eagle and
0: the eagle whips his ass Uh-huh Well so yeah the angel comes down because the 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 rooster's too prideful right yeah. and and he reveals so
1: then the rooster's like uh-oh I can't fight you. Right. The rooster made a claim. The rooster's claim mm-hmm. was, I can beat anything with feathers. Yep. Mm-hmm. I can beat anything. with. Fe- I'm the best fighter there is. And to be fair, he beat the shit out of an owl at night. At
0: night. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that.
1: And I'm not, this rooster sucks. I would hate this rooster in real life. You know? <laughs> but I hate <laughs> the would not want to more. meet this rooster in real right, life. Totally. But the angel's an asshole in a different way. The angel thinks themselves a judge. You know, and, and at the end, the angel says, "I don't know what the pancreator creator wants." Actually, I have to admit that I don't know mm-hmm, what God mm-hmm. wants. I came down mm-hmm. here thinking I knew what God wants. I guess I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: it's a, this is a real like Diogenes situation, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, oh, you
1: can whip anything's ass with feathers, <laughs> <laughs> and all the. the Rules lawyering that comes after that, where the rooster is like, yeah. "Well, first of all, you're only a little bit of uh, feathers. your mm-hmm. Your chest isn't feathers. Your head isn't. You got hair up there." And then angel's just like, "Fine, I'll turn myself more into a bird." <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's uh, it's agilis again, right? This is what I'm like, saying. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. There,
1: well, there's something so weird about that, and that is the part of this that I think it makes me a, a rooster fan is that <laughs> the the rooster is an asshole. The rooster, the cock is a cock, you know, like that mm-hmm. is the mm-hmm. thing that is, and, and at the same time, a thing that I really love about the end of this is, you know, the, the rooster's final claim is like, you didn't beat me because you don't beat a chicken until it turns chicken. Right. Until yeah. the, until the rooster turns and shows the white feathers that lie beneath their, their tail feathers, the rooster has won. because those, are, that's the rules of the world. The rules of the world is you didn't turn me into a chicken. I never turned back into a chicken. And you went to summon a fucking eagle. That wasn't the thing. You were going to fight me, and you used the power to summon an eagle. You didn't uh, fight me. Well, you were supposed to die that. when I hit you with the poison, and you came back to life. I won the duel. <laughs> you hit him with the poison. I hit you with the flower. You were supposed to. That was the rule. hmm Well, it's, yeah, Uh, it,
0: it, uh,
2: I mean, to make this explicit, because I think I said this way back in the Agilist section, right? That there's a way that, um, Agilus' response to Severian is, like, s- such a bizarre magnification of, like, self-regard. And mm-hmm. at the same time, it makes a lot of sense. Because he's like, I was just a simple con artist, and apparently I met right. the main character of reality. What right. am I supposed to do with this? What
1: the fuck did you come down here for? You didn't have other angel shit to go do? You didn't have anything else in on the, in God's not green earth to go take care of. You had to come mess with one rooster who is like, a little too cocky. Come on.
0: Well, I love the turn that the thing that gets the eagle summoned, which is the the angel is like, I was just going to rip all your tail feathers out. I was just going to make you look like an asshole. Now I'm going to murder you with my buddy. Right. You know, like there's an escalation that happens there that's so wild. And I guess, right, like if we go back to the Agilus, the eagle is Agilus or the eagle is Severian. The eagle is Severian. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like there's just this thing and its only job is murder.
1: Yeah. And like, you know, sorry. Doesn't have an opinion also, about it. Remember at the end of the story, he goes and he he talks to the eagle and the eagle looks at the angel but doesn't say shit.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: That's not his job. Not his job. he obeys.
2: Uh uh. Really, really great detail here is the first uh, uh, argument that the cock has against the angel, which is like, "Well, you're an angel and you can shape shift, so this is obviously unfair." And the angel gives up its ability to shape shift. It like pulls it out of itself and hands it to a goose nearby, and the goose uses the shape shifting ability to turn itself into a cooler <laughs> kind of goose. <laughs> but that's it. Otherwise, it's very well behaved.
1: <laughs> It hangs out. It hangs on to the power. It doesn't give it away. It's, it's yeah, it doesn't bounce 100%. Because <laughs> presumably the angel has other other important powers. If the angel would have sicked the, the eagle on the, on the gray goose, the gray salt goose now, you know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a fascinating, because it is like an animal moral fable, right? Mm-hmm. And the moral is like, normally in this kind of like, Boethius style story, right? Like, you're going to cash out into something or an Aesop's fable, right? You you cash out into something fairly direct. The moral here is wild. (laughs) Uh, The Eagle looked at the angel when he heard what the cock said and the angel looked at the Eagle the pancreator is infinitely far from us, the angel said, and thus infinitely far from me, though I fly so much higher than you. I guess at his desires. No one can do otherwise. He opened his chest once more and replaced the ability he had for a time surrendered. Then he and the eagle flew away, and for the time, the salt goose followed them. That is the end of the story.
1: <laughs> Who's the cocky one, really? Yeah. It's the angel who couldn't stand to see the rooster fly near him. He's flying higher than you. Mm-hmm. You know, very important that the angel lets us know that he gets to fly higher than us. (laughs) Melito doesn't have any property. Unlike Halvard, who is closer to having property than Melito is. And this is a Halvard's point. Halvard's like, I get it. You're like the little rooster. You're the little (laughs) clever rooster who got his ass kicked, but is still kind of like going to win out on the end in in terms of like dignity and honor. And Melito's like, no, 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 that's not my play there's something
0: here too about witnessing because you'll notice that the goose turned itself into a salt goose yeah and at the end it's still a salt goose yeah it
1: saves. Mm-hmm. Re- and, and flies it away with them. them for a little while yeah. yeah 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 I don't know well the thing that the place that I went originally was to Jacob and the angel right mm-hmm. or God mm-hmm. depending on or the, the wrestling reading. angels. the rest well yes yeah, is it wrestling an angel or is it wrestling God it depends on the translation and your interpretation of the story um, and what face of God means. Uh, But, but then they don't actually fight. I think that that's, that was such an, a really fun pivot, right? Like I expected this mm-hmm. to be like, Oh, the rooster wrestles, the angel does the Jacob and the angel, you know, wrestling thing all night. And um, which of course also then wraps back around, right? Cause uh this also determines a dietary r- law, right? The, the Jacob and, and angel wrestling is part of why you can't eat certain meat near the, where the joint connects to, I want to say, because Jacob's leg gets d- dislocated in a special way. Um, anyway, maybe I'm half remembering that. Maybe that's incorrect. Mm, yeah, uh,
0: yeah, you're too deep for me. Yeah. Okay. Well, this Can't is this out. is how
1: the ship goes. But then the fight just doesn't happen, right? The angel and the rooster don't do it, and instead there is this proxy who gets brought in, um, and they don't even really fight. They he fucks up the rooster, and the rooster hides under a under like a. Uh, you know, a little wagon or something, an old cart um, for a little bit. But this is not the epic battle between the owl and the and the the rooster, or between Jacob and the and the angel. Um, so it was interesting to see, like the taking the ro- the road off of this other very popular biblical story. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then just to,
2: uh, I guess, pull out some of the interesting subtext around that goose, like specifically the transformation is that it goes from a domesticated goose to a wild goose. Yeah. And that's just that's just a thing that can happen. And when it's a wild goose, it can follow the angel and
1: the eagle for a time, but just for a time. Nature. People love it. People love to think <laughs> that there's a thing called nature. <laughs> uh, You know, it's over there. Yeah, yeah. it's in the park, right? That's where we keep it.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Surrounded on all sides by uh, streets. (laughs) So you can know really where it is. I played I've played SimCity. The rest of the city. (laughs) There's no nature in it, though, right? The streets don't have any nature. It's just the. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. 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 Oh, you're thinking of culture. Oh, I see. Culture ends where nature begins.
0: That's right. Mm -hmm. Right. A
1: Mm -hmm. person is nature until culture happens to them. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we should become nature again. You got to got to get rid of the bad culture.
2: Right, I'm gonna That's go right. get myself lobotomized to just to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing weird about that. I know that. some guys you can
1: meet up with uh, afterwards. God. <sighs>
0: Austin, we got to talk about this. Michael's always talking about getting himself lobotomized yeah, to become nature. The, one of the zoanthropes and running <laughs> yeah. around. He keeps joking about it. And I'm mm. like, I think first time funny, second time, yeah, uh, I mean, third time, fourth time, fifth time. I
2: yeah. just want a lifestyle where all I have to do is use simple tools. I think tools are too complicated. Hey, buddy, how you doing?
0: Oh, you're talking about tools again, huh?
2: Uh-huh.
1: That's <laughs> good. That's good. That's culture. Tools is culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, like, encourage tools. The, the, the tools part. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Hey, yeah. Uh, Michael. Huh? You thought about simple machines at all? Uh,
1: well, thought there's this TikTok.
2: A- <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that shows me how various things are made, folded, no formed, and
1: pressed. Before we started, I was like, sorry, guys, I got to finish watching this two and a half minute TikTok about machines. It's not about machines. It's just one of those videos. It's just like, here's 13,000 mm. machines. It's not 13 or thirty. Mm. It's like 40 machines. This one's folding t-shirts. This one's cutting down trees. This one's turning metal into other types of metal. Mm -hmm.
2: Being pulled away from my desire to become a zoanthrope by the t-shirt folding machine
1: (laughs) and its wonders. I think we've saved him. I think we've saved his soul with the (laughs) one that cuts one big cable into a bunch of other little cables.
0: I guess we can. uh, We'll we'll end the episode with a reading from the text. This is the very end of the chapter. The the very end of chapter nine.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Others joined in the argument and we talked about it, about the little cock for a long time. God damn you, Gene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You scamp. It was
1: cunningly done, little cock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he knows. Yeah. He knows. The 80s. Come on. Yeah. He's about it. Well, so that's the first
0: bit of uh, the, this book. We'll be reading two more kind of big chunks. And the last one is real explosive <laughs> things going on. How do you because, you know, imagine from this vantage
1: point, how do you end this thing? You know, mm-hmm. um, he goes out there. Out he wins the war. He he's, he turns out he's like Captain America. Mm-hmm. Right. OK. <laughs> uh, Captain Commonwealth. Uh, yep. Beats all the last of the the Asians. Volus comes out. They do a lightsaber duel. Volus is like, how could you? You know, you were the mm-hmm. chosen one. <laughs> then he turns into Thecla on top of Metal Gear Rex uh, and has to duel Thea, Thea afterwards, right? It's like sister, sister. It's like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then ascends right into space, like Mary ascending um, into <laughs> heaven, but it's space. Um, right. And then opens up, like rips open the shirt, uh, which he, he put on a shirt when it was Thecla to be, come on, you know? It was, yeah. it was a children's yeah. show. Uh, all, all family, you know, uh, rips off the shirt and the sun, mm-hmm. like, you know how Superman gets charged by the red sun? Of uh, It's the reverse. Mm-hmm. The reveal mm-hmm. of the chest starts to fill the sun with energy. Well. And the sun <laughs> comes back to life. Having drained, Severian's been carrying this claw around, and the mm-hmm. claw is like it's a just draining Severian the whole time. It's the other way; it's charging Severian oh, so that oh, Severian see, can yeah. then be a beacon of light to charge the sun up. It's like a chest Ooh. beam, like an Iron Man chest beam, but right from the chest. No, there's no. Yeah. he doesn't have like a he doesn't have like a little like a little tube of energy in there. He just has the chest, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's like, and then the whole thing lights up, and then when the light clears, he's swimming again. He's a little boy. He's swimming in the pool, and it's a loop. And it teleported him back there. And he's like, who are my parents? I don't know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't, he wrote a book in somewhere. it's closer than you'd ever want it to be. <laughs> At, yeah. Yeah. At some, some point, point, he becomes ever, the autark. Yeah. It was yeah. In, the, it's, it's in the before, after he mm. beats everybody with the lightsaber before he goes to space.
0: I do love that. Yeah, that you have excised literally the only one
1: thing we know to be true. That's not true. <laughs> you, you know, we don't know. No, G. G. At the final, then you turn the page and it's G. W. And he goes, hey, "Gotcha! I wrote this book, <laughs> idiot."
2: Oh, it turns out Severian is just. I invented
1: totally this. G. <laughs> w. Says, "I'm stronger than Severian. <laughs> Severian That's is right. a fictional character. I could beat That's him right. in a fight." <laughs> That's right.
0: So the 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 chicken the rooster uh-huh. couldn't kill the angel <laughs> because they're both fictional.
1: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> GW do you ever is understand, real. though, Cameron,
1: that also you can't beat him because he's fictional. No, I could, but you couldn't because you don't exist no. at that ontological perspective. No, I do. I
0: I'm also a construct. No, you fictional I have, Cameron. I have Cameron reality outside of the construct.
1: You could make no. a Cameron Prime who could beat Superman. No. But Cameron can't beat Superman. Superman is insubstantial. No, I could defeat Superman. Ideas are
0: bulletproof.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Unless they're kryptonite or magic bullets. We've been through this. (laughs) Yeah.
0: One time Batman made, uh, he tricked Superman into punching into a giant, uh, like, power conduit that uh, released all of the electricity in Gotham City into Superman, and it slowed him down real good. That's good.
1: That's a good
3: plan
0: I could do that also to Superman.
3: I don't
1: think you could. I think you just stand by the power conduit like indefinitely. This. Because Superman never. doesn't exist. And you'd be like, any day now, Superman's going to show up and punch this power conduit. And I'll slow him down. And then I'll get no, him. And he doesn't no, show up because
0: he's fake, he would, Cameron. No, he would show, I would summon him with my... Uh, uh, capabilities
1: and then you'd be done because you'd summoned him to our plane of, res- of existence and then he's real but he'd have no power don't do that don't bring real. a superman like the, the same way that the, the, the angel summoned the eagle I don't want you to summon <laughs> superman
0: that that actually that is the end of the story is when i'm constantly shit talking every fictional character and <laughs> disney unleashes the hellgate <laughs> yes uh, you it's know just their, the end the of endgame it's that
1: stupid portal scene for right. real and they're all looking for you
0: yeah it's uh, gamesy it's superman <laughs> and batman it's like buckaroo Banzai. It's, it's, uh, it's
1: pennywise
0: it's it, right yep yep it, it is the entirety of the pet cemetery huh. The mist starts coming. <laughs> it's all right. Next episode, we're reading chapters 10 through 22. Big chunk of reading. Uh, it goes down pretty smooth, you know, in okay. terms of the way that yeah. this went down pretty smooth. This whole book is going to go down a little bit easier than the previous ones did. And by the time we get to the final reading for this, uh, it's going to go down real smooth because it starts going real fast. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the very end of the roller coaster in that regard. So, um, but yeah, next episode, chapters 10 through 22 the show is uh performed by us cinderwell wrote and performed the theme song sam beck made the podcast start and jordan mallory edited and produced the show we'll be back in uh, a little while um our next bonus episode in case you haven't caught on or, or not aware our next bonus episode of um uh the the patreon patreon.com slash ranged touch it's down in the episode description below the next episode is the D monster manual it's the one with the big red dragon on it if you're confused oh wait that might be all of them it's the one with the centaur <laughs> and the big red dragon and the troll on mm. it uh it's a uh, good old classic looking stuff that's behind the paywall on patreon.com slash ranged touch we got a bunch of other bonus episodes on there we just did Uh, Borges's book uh, Labyrinths and that's really fun and uh, you can also get access to all of the other bonus episodes for our other programs Michael and I just finished up too much future our show on Fallout and we're taking a little bit of a break of that from that kind of show for a minute uh, partially because Danny and I are going to be starting the newest season of Mages and Murder Dads on Baldur's Gate 3 fairly soon in a couple months and uh, (sighs) looking forward to that um it's going to be a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. It's, like it's a, a big game.
1: It's a big game. It is a big. I haven't game. beaten it yet, and it's uh, you know, godspeed.
0: We we both beat it in that first week. Um, going to be really me. something. And now i got to do it again. Yeah. We uh, So yeah, we'll be back soon. Patreon.com slash Range Touch in order to support the show. If you like this, please let other people know about it. The only way more people learn about the show is by word of mouth. We don't buy advertising. We don't put it on billboards. We don't do any of the classic things. We don't get uh, take out a full-page ad in Andy Warhol's interview magazine. We don't do any of the traditional things you would do to let people know about it. It's only through you talking about it. So if you like the show, if you like what we talk about, um, let other people know. Um, and uh, of course a new season will be starting fairly soon you know toward the end of the year uh, or maybe at the very beginning of the new year um, and we'll be deciding what that is um, uh, shortly Book of the New Sun took like half a year we're not going to take half a year on some of the other stuff so that's going to be really exciting we'll be back soon with more episodes of Shelved by Genre goodbye later where's my poem poem? okay I'll do the poem poem. give me the poem (sighs) Poem, poem. poem. People at
3: home are, are <laughs> boom, boom,
0: boom, 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 you know. They're... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, amid
2: these stacks so straight and tall with tomes lined end to end, how are you to find your way? It's shelved by genre, friend. Uh.